There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. This episode of the Cult Popshire podcast was brought to you by our Patreon. If you want to tell us which films we should watch, get up to two extra exclusive podcasts a month, give us something to talk about in the post-credit scenes at the end of each episode, or even contribute to the discussion in the episode itself, then please consider joining the cult and donating at www.patreon.com slash cultpopture. Hey, Richard, i got a question for you. <laughs> what is it? A, a classic game of Would You Rather. Mm-hmm. Would you rather have the cheese touch or the Dementor's kiss? Ooh. So the Dementor's kiss is said to be, you know, uh, essentially taking any possibility of ever feeling happiness away from you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so does the cheese touch because no one will talk to you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. The cheese touch feels more alienating. Should mm. we believe the symptoms listed to us in Diary of a Wimpy Kid? Mm. But hey, let's let's maybe we can answer this would you rather at the end because we've actually got a couple more diaries and a couple more wimpy kids to talk about <laughs> oh, um, wow. this fortnight. Wow, someone's been uh, <laughs> hitting the books and coming up with some funny stuff. Funny, funny stuff. <laughs> yeah, I've been hitting the books to come up with funny stuff. Oh, yeah. Hitting the funny books, the funny pages. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I mean, well, I mean, books are pretty relevant to, yeah, to this episode. Of, they'll, they'll probably come up a fair bit. <laughs> of uh, film franchise Fortnite's on the Cobb Popshire podcast. Uh, my name is AJ, and I'm joined by um, Richard, who's... Are you cosplaying as our lead character in, in today's franchise? Because you've got brown hair and glasses. <laughs> and I'm wearing a Hawaiian shirt. <laughs> Famously. Very <laughs> Potterian. It does, that's one of those things that J.K. Rowling like announced after the books came out. It was like, mm. oh, by the way, Harry was wearing a Hawaiian shirt for a lot of this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, anytime I'm not explicitly describing what he's wearing, it's because it's implied yeah. he's wearing a Hawaiian shirt. <laughs> um but yeah we are this is film franchise fortnights a podcast where every two weeks we talk about a different film franchise we're doing something a little bit different this time we haven't done in a long long time which is we've actually split this up and Mm. this is the harry potter franchise we're talking about uh, which consists of eight films and then as of now three prequel films and Mm -hmm. the wizarding world franchise i should say but the yeah, we're going to be splitting it up, uh, so we're going to be talking about the first four films based on the first four books here today, and then in one week from now, we'll do the remaining four films based on the remaining three books, and then the week after that, we will do uh, three the three Fantastic Beasts films. Based on the one uh, encyclopedia. <laughs> yeah, so we're going to be uh, covering this in the same way that the Lego games cover Harry Potter. Right. And you said you said we haven't done this for a long time and I thought that was quite funny because so long in fact that I would have considered the format 
an obsolete one, mm. <laughs> something we don't do anymore, because the last time, ladies and gentlemen, that we split up a franchise for no other reason than because we wanted time. to, yeah, <laughs> was uh, Back to the Future, which mm. hilariously was only three films. Um, and we what was Back to the Future, our fourth or fifth episode mm. of the whole And it show? was... The episode was 90 minutes, and we thought no one's going to listen to the, a 90 minute podcast. So we split it into three. That's what, one of those like very funny things looking back. The other really funny thing that I uh, always think about with this podcast is that we, we released on Mondays in New Zealand. It was originally Film Franchise. Uh, well, we talked about being Film Franchise Fridays, but uh, we mm. wanted to keep it fortnightly to keep our workload a little bit lighter. But we, we, the original release was every Friday. But then we moved it to Mondays because we didn't want to, uh, you know, steal the thunder from our series talking during the movie, which also came out on Fridays. A series which I am considering unlisting from YouTube now about four <laughs> years later. Um, yeah, no, that is that is pretty I funny. Love, yeah, it? it's so funny that that's like, I, I don't know, it feels like one of those crazy, you know, like, like, Clorox actually came before Arias. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. Um, yeah, so the reason, if anyone's wondering the reason why we're splitting up, because usually we we split up franchises, but never arbitrarily, except for Back to the Future yeah. and this, I guess. Like, what the original plan was to do that, the eight Harry Potter films and one blockbuster episode and then do the three Fantastic Beasts. So we'd, like, split it when, like, the series changes somewhat. Mm. Like, we split all the James Bond actors yeah. and we split Hobbit and Lord of the Rings. Uh, but what do we have a reason? We're just low on time. Is, is like I've, I've, had a, to... I've had a very busy week and we're recording mm. slightly early because I have a party tomorrow night and you were meant to have a party the night after. Mm. Um, but yeah, and, and just I, I've been... But I got the, the Dementor's kiss. <laughs> but I've, I've just been busy like every night this week and I got to a point where I was like, I'm not, dude, I'm not going to be able to watch this. And mm. then, you know, there's already a precedent for splitting the Harry Potter movies like this. There's already a precedent for us <laughs> splitting a franchise like this because we did it mm. very early on. And also, I, I imagine that this is going to be quite an in-depth episode or qu- quite a discussion-heavy e- episode. And so I thought, you know what, it's, it's like, let's make it, I, I would I would rather do one, uh, you know, two sort of, episodes where we can keep our steam a little bit rather than one that we lose it towards the end and we're just trying to get out of there so i think this is going to result in better discussion as well hopefully (laughs) but when when you say um (laughs) when you say there's already a precedent for splitting these movies up you are talking about the lego games i am talking about the lego games yeah (laughs) nothing else nothing else because to me the the natural split in the series would be the first three the last four i think at least in terms of the books that's that's where it felt like it split for me. And what about the fourth one? Oh, ju- oh just the what books, man. Say? Oh, the, the first three. Yeah, yeah just the, in, in right, terms okay, yeah, yeah, the books. Yeah, it's like interesting. The Prisoner of Azkaban, then Goblet of Fire onwards, because that was Goblet of Fire was the first one that came out after I was aware what the series was. Yeah, I I, I, like to be fair though, we are splitting it by good directors and David Yates. <laughs> and half and half as well, <laughs> yeah, four yeah, and yeah. four, because the movie. So there's, there's, one there's the plenty movie. of reasons, there but. Yeah, so the the movies we're going to be talking about today are Harry Potter and the Philosopher's Stone. Yes, Philosopher's Stone. Mind Can you blown. Say that, Americans? Any Americans <laughs> are listening out there? Uh, Harry Potter and the Chamber of Secrets. Harry Potter and the Prisoner of Azkaban. Or Az- I always say Azkaban, but 
I, I don't know why. I say I say it like Hagrid says it. Azkaban prison! <laughs> <laughs> and uh, Harry Potter and the Goblet of Fire. So there is um, something that we should address at the top of this episode because uh, there's you people have wondered why we're covering this franchise now uh, rightly so fair enough but uh, first <laughs> happy we should pride month, happy pride everyone. month we should mention this was a patreon suggested episode we're not doing this to tie into pride month or anything we're not being we're not being smart we're not yeah. being disrespectful and uh, we're also not you know throwing our patrons under the bus because i do think and this is why you know that we should talk about this up top. Uh, there's obviously the the elephant in the room of J.K. Rowling and her recent activity. Um, she's come under fires in recent years for being, uh, you know, and has been labelled a turf. If you're not sure mm-hmm. what that term means, means trans exclusionary radical feminist. It's um, uh, essentially someone who excludes the rights a feminist who ex- excludes the rights of trans women, and you know, when trying to. And during their advocacy for women's rights mm. and so often you know so not a feminist not a feminist you know? but it's the kind of thing of like that they're in their mind they're like you know we've tried so hard to uh, do feminism and now these people are trying to piggyback on the hard work we've already done mm. kind of thing um this started in two years ago 2020 uh she posted she made a tweet that took issue with an article using the term people who menstruate rather than a uh, woman when mm-hmm. you know it was, it was talking about you know biologically menstruating and things and so you know we now know that people can still menstruate who identify as men and mm-hmm. then she doubled down on this continued to double down and I wrote all these articles and uh, there's a YouTube channel called ContraPoints has a good sort of breakdown of mm-hmm. everything going on it's like 90 minutes long and uh glamour.com has a like timeline of events if you because i think a lot of people out there are just knowing everyone hates jk rowling now something to do with transphobia but not actually i don't know the details or the the sort of breakdown mm. of what actually happened and this is the this is the like path we walk down doing this episode for film franchise four nights like i always i kind of dread doing the big blockbuster franchises because i think it's more fun to do the niche ones that no one's done a podcast on um but boy do i wish we maybe did this one a few years ago yeah. instead of now because now it feels like the worst time in history to be talking about harry potter well the, yeah there's just this this thing uh, going over it. So the the this whole debacle has introduced a generation of people to the idea of death of the author, which is mm-hmm. essentially the idea of removing an author's intent from their works. So and um, you know separating the art from the artist. It's, it's a similar sort of thing. It's funny, isn't it, that, that death of the author can be applied to J.K. Rowling, who wrote these books about accepting who you are, and yeah. like even though you're different, you're still loved. Like it's death of the author in such a strange way because it's not like I I don't know if I would maybe I have I haven't read them since I was twenty, but like I feel like there isn't like trans. Uh, or transphobic themes in yeah, yeah, Harry sure. Potter. There, apparently there is some in, in some of Robert Galbraith's works, which is the yes. uh, pseudonym yeah, yeah. she writes under now. Yeah. But the, um, yeah, it, it felt like this needed to be addressed up top. I don't, I don't want this like necessarily casting a nasty shadow over the whole thing or just this podcast to be just entirely us ripping on jk rowling i think as we get to fantastic beasts we will more because that'll be more about how she's a shitty screenwriter but (laughs) yeah i think these 
the Harry Potter stories and movies are incredibly important to a lot of people and they growing up for a lot of people that you know felt like they didn't fit in elsewhere had this like magical world they could escape to and at the same time as you know um disagreeing with jk rowling and her beliefs i don't want to then also just throw out like how good these can and have made people feel Hmm. and also it's it's one person in a pool of thousands of filmmakers and actors and and things that made these films possible if we're talking about the books specifically maybe it'll be different but yeah and but yeah so in short um fuck jk rowling trans women are women trans men are men let's talk about these boy Mm. magical boy movies (laughs) so you said just before that these that harry potter means a lot to a lot of people specifically people our age um Mm. you and i both in our late 20s to the point where like the go-to joke that the younger generation make about us now is primarily harry Mm. potter based i've noticed it's it's millennials are all obsessed with which house they are which hogwarts house they are Mm. and, and yada 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 um so i guess we usually on film franchise fortnights with a franchise that means a lot to people uh we discuss our personal relationships that's the a good franchise. Thing. So, Richard, is Harry Potter important to you? So, <laughs> Harry Potter, the the person or the the franchise? Do you mean the franchise? <laughs> so, uh, growing up, my my sister was massively into Harry Potter and still is. And then my mum got into them as well. And I remember listening to the Stephen Fry read audiobook of the first one or two. I've have read the first book. I de- I've definitely read the first book. I've I'm pretty sure I've read all of the second book. I think I've read half of the third one. Wow! So you're very much not the um, not the 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 Potterhead that um that many are. I saw all of the films in the cinema. I saw them all opening weekend, if not opening night. I remember going to the first one, and up until very recently, I still had my movie ticket for philosopher's stone from 2001 wow like and it was and it was this this beautiful family experience and yeah i remember my mum and sister like as the later movies were coming out they would go to the I, I think they went to like the midnight sort of releases of the book and it got to the point where it's like we have to buy two of each one because i'm, I'm not waiting for you to finish it you know <laughs> like mm. and so, so they became obsessed and i I, I, again, like you said, the, the, there's the sort of millennial shame of these movies now, even removed from the J.K. Rowling stuff, that it is like this cheesy thing that millennials are into. And um, and also a lot of people nowadays want to distance themselves from Harry Potter. But there's, I, I, I still think there's so much good stuff in this mm-hmm. film franchise. I can't obviously speak for the books, but there's, there's a lot of stuff I like really, really like in these. And they are... It's it's a it's kind of an amazing feat having this series of films where the main characters aged in real time. All of them grew up into like as good actors as they needed to be. They're not not mm. necessarily Oscar winners or anything like that, but they all aged fairly gracefully, um, aged like with their characters and no major controversies surrounding any of the actors anyway. But the <laughs> yeah, I, I, it's just this this kind of incredible film franchise that Yeah, and yeah, that's that's interesting. I would I would also say and perhaps this is controversial, 
Sorry, it's an episode about Harry Potter. But I agree it'll with... Be the least, <laughs> yeah. It'll probably be the least... No, yeah, it'll probably be the least controversial opinion about Harry Potter considering. Um, I would say something that occurred to me watching the fourth one last night. Mm-hmm. Um, this might be the longest franchise in which at least I would say the first film you could probably comfortably call the worst one, mm. maybe? Yeah. I think I can't think of another franchise where... where um, I think it gets better, sort of. Not not each one is better than the last. I'll say this: all eight are pretty good, yeah. and 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 the the quality doesn't really dip. I think some of the charm um, falls away, and I think some people are probably very nostalgic for the first two, and will yeah. probably hate that I just said that. But I think, at least in terms of the f- filmmaking as a craft, I think that they get. Uh, more mature and more complex as they go on yeah absolutely and, and that's the thing as well that it's it's that that similar sort of thing with like what pixar was doing for a while where it's like the the movies are aging with the fans like uh, toy story 3 while very much a kids film is it deals with themes that you know people who were a kid when the first one came out would, would have been going through by the time the third one came out exactly and yeah I, I i agree with you there this is i also think that that as a other than the MCU, this is probably the second franchise we've covered, like th- like the second longest franchise we've covered where I kind of expect most everyone listening to this to have seen all of them. Sure, yeah. And even even the MCU, right. not really. It's like, you know, a lot of people, like you and I are, you know, completionists with that kind of thing. But we, there's a lot of people that are like, yeah, I haven't seen the second <laughs> Ant-Man, you know. Yeah, I'm I'm now stuck watching show after show on Disney Plus <laughs> that I don't even really like because I'm that much of a completionist to the MCU. Yeah, but yeah, that that like Harry Potter, it's it's you don't have people, you never hear of people that are like, oh yeah, I haven't seen the fifth one. You know, yeah, <laughs> like people have seen most people have seen all of these of our generation and probably multiple times as well. Yeah. So my experience with Harry Potter. Um, if anyone is interested, mm, um, so so I I provide I think a um essential perspective to the Harry Potter conversation, which is kid in a Christian home, okay? <laughs> yeah, right. Because these books came out, um, and every Christian in the world was like thrown into this this thing they'd never had to deal with before, which was are, are witches and wizards inherently evil? Um, I remember telling my teacher when I was seven that I thought witches were real. They were just people that followed Satan. And she told me off and like, I'd, like I think I had like a letter written home because... I'd said the devil. I'd mentioned the devil or something crazy like that to to my teacher. It's very good. But but outside of that, my parents, as far as as far as how like okay with it, my parents were. Um, my, I remember they let my brother read them, and he got very into them, mm. and they were sort of like tentative but not too worried and i remember sitting on my parents bed one afternoon for some reason and my dad sat next to me and he just started reading the first one to me and i remember being like are you serious are you actually reading harry potter i was seven are you actually reading harry potter to me and (laughs) i remember we read the first two books together which probably took a couple of weeks Mm. and then he was like i'm not reading you the third one it's too dark it's the day wasn't too dark. The the subject matter. <laughs> I can't see the book, AJ. <laughs> I can't see the pages. I can't see the words. Uh, and that was the last one that I read for 
13 years. <laughs> um, so I kind of, uh, if you've been listening to this podcast for not too long, probably as, as early as the God's Not Dead episode, you'll know that I was relatively devout until my early 20s. Mm, um, and so, yeah, yeah. So <laughs> up until then, um, I wouldn't say it was the same with like Lord of the Rings where I like actively was like, I hate Harry Potter to try and Mm. be cool. But it was like something I wasn't that interested in. I did see all of the movies though, up until I think the last one I saw in theaters was order of the Phoenix. Mm. And then I stopped caring about them because I hadn't read the books. And uh, then um, I remember actually going back. So the first one, first film we're going to talk about in a minute, like I remember going to, philosopher's stone and it being like a massive deal yeah, because absolutely. it came out like like the same year my dad had read them to me mm. um so like it was huge that it had, that had come out i don't think i saw chamber of secrets in cinemas and i think i saw the then i yeah then i think i saw three four and five in cinemas um but uh then when i was 20 years old i did a little project called never have i ever mm. where i wanted to do something i'd never done every week mm. for the for the whole year and the the lamest one was i'm gonna read all the harry potter books because i've never done that <laughs> like i say lamest because another one was like fucking bungee jumping right so mm. i did all this cool stuff and one of them was just reading a book or reading seven books well one of them was like having that uh, the uh, jelly belly soda wasn't it yeah that's right <laughs> <laughs> that one wasn't really good either. Um, <laughs> so I I read all of them, um, and I really enjoyed the books for the most part. Maybe we'll get into them as we talk about the storylines of each movie. Uh, and then I watched all the movies in a row. And what I thought was interesting about that was that watching the movies right after reading the books, I found the movies incredibly disappointing. Right. Like, like really really disappointing all of my favorite stuff felt cut out of it or rushed um big and peeves fan you know yeah big peeves fan big peeves guy <laughs> right over here um and uh then i so and that was the opinion i adopted from age 20 till now for the first time i've watched them again and so now when i log these films i'm going on to my letterbox where at some point i must have logged all the harry potter films and i'm realizing like these reviews these star ratings that i've like i've given like almost a full extra star to every nice. single harry potter movie since i last watched it because watching them removed from the books i think they hold up a lot better mm. when you you can't remember exactly what you're missing so neither of us are the like big harry potter nerd that maybe this podcast maybe needs <laughs> but i feel like mm. we each have a unique perspective that will potentially make this different from the i'm sure thousands of other harry potter based podcasts there have been mm. yeah a thousand and one starting today a thousand and one yeah so the first film we're talking about is harry potter and the philosopher's stone which came in 2001 mm. i'm I refuse to call it Sorcerer's Stone. Okay. Um, and, uh, except for that. And when I, dis- when I explain the title. Do they call it Sorcerer's Stone in the dialogue? Yes. In the American So we'll version? come to that. But first of all, we'll, uh, the film is directed by Christopher Columbus, not the one that discovered America or claims to have discovered America. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and what do you think, think it has? J.K. Rowling thinks he's discovered <laughs> America. Well, uh, what do you think it has on Rotten Tomatoes? Uh, I'm going to guess pretty high, probably like. 90 no 80 no. 81 
it's still pretty high. So, uh, yeah, it, it is called the Harry Potter and the Philosopher's Stone everywhere except the US because uh, Scholastic changed it, believing the audi- American audiences were largely unfamiliar with the Philosopher's Stone concept. Something I wasn't aware you had to be aware of. <laughs> but the every single scene where the Philosopher's Stone is mentioned was filmed twice, uh, once with them saying sorcerers, once with them saying philosophers. So there is a version. There's also a couple scenes where the character's off screen, so it's just dubbed as saying sorcerers. Uh, J.K. Rowling has said that she regrets granting permission for the title change, but you know she was so desperate to get her book published at the time mm. and... Um, the, and the same publisher also suggested she change her name from Joanne Rowling to J.K. Rowling um, out of fear. Mm-hmm. And, you know, she was quite willing to just change her identity, which is um, interesting. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> so what is Harry Potter and the Philosopher's Stone about, AJ? Okay, it is about a little boy <laughs> named Harry Potter who is... Um, oh, he's the, just your run-of-the-mill kid, isn't he? He's he's just Harry. <laughs> um, so he finds out he's a wizard and he goes to Hogwarts. A what? <laughs> a wizard. And he goes to Hogwarts and he learns spells and he gets an owl that delivers his shitey, shitey mail and he's bloody pleased about it. Sorry, that's a reference to my favourite <laughs> Gary's Mod meme. I'm Those who know will know. You brought that up because... I didn't see that video until uh, 2016, 17. And I mm. think it's the least funny shit I've ever seen. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, fair enough. I'm not here to argue its merits. Um, yeah, so uh, he goes to a wizarding school. His, his parents were killed by an evil wizard What's named name? Voldemort. Oh, don't say God. it. <laughs> I hate I hate when we cover a big well-known franchise and I'm I feel like an idiot recounting the plot. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Everyone knows what this is about. Yeah. There's a philosopher's stone which makes you immortal, and it turns out that it was Quirrell, not Snape, who was trying to steal it to bring what? back Voldemort. He's got a lightning bolt scar. Um is there any kind the- of sporting match they play? They play maybe the worst devised fictional sport in the history of fiction. <laughs> um, and they, um, he usually stays with his aunt and uncle, um, Uncle Vernon and Aunt uh, J.K. Rowling, sorry, Aunt Petunia, mm. um, and his cousin Dursley, no, Dudley Dursley, mm. um, who I quite like his characters, and I wish <laughs> they were in the movies more. I think they're fun. Yeah. Um, but the yeah, best what's character the, the, in... The, um, who's the, what's the name of the guy that plays... Um... The main Richard g- Griffiths. Yeah, Richard Griffiths. He's great. Yeah, he he passed away a few years ago. So. Yeah, sad stuff. A lot of a lot of actors. Have sad stuff. Away from- <laughs> sad. Say sad stuff. Um, <laughs> my favorite characters are probably um in in the movies. My favorite character is Hagrid, played by Robbie Coltrane, mm. who I think, especially in the first one, God, he gets some lemons of of lines of dialogue that he just absolutely sells. Yeah. Um, and <laughs> like a lesser actor would not yeah. be able to do. I remember the so when Harry is getting his letter from Hogwarts and they keep 
chasing him no matter what because it's, it's magical they go to this like cabin in the fucking middle of the ocean yeah the middle of the ocean <laughs> what is that and then they uh they get like oh, this big beating knock at the door and then the door falls mm. down and you see this shadow of this towering giant and then it's and then it's revealed to be Hagrid. he goes sorry about that and it's like <laughs> i remember like watching the film this uh this last week i remember seeing that in the cinema sitting in like the front row because they were the best seats we could get you know and Mm. just like thinking like oh my god this is the funniest thing i've ever seen (laughs) like you thought it was a bad guy but it was he's he immediately apologizes and has a funny voice it's funny because I, when I saw that scene, Richard, I thought it was the least funniest shit I've ever seen. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, I think he's great in, in the movies. Like, he's great in the books as well from memory, but the, the movies, I think Robbie Coltrane really brings this, like, what's the right word? Like this- um, Tallness? Nah, what's the word for when something's like, like, it's just he's just so lovable. Levity. Like, he's, he's, he's so endearing is what mm. I was thinking of. Um, he's such an endearing character. Um, my favorite character in the books was always Dumbledore, but I feel like the movies kind of fuck up what's good about Dumbledore. In a yeah, lot it's ways. a double maybe, fuck. Maybe not the, <laughs> maybe not the first. Professor Dumblefuck. Um, <laughs> Oi, Professor Dumblefuck! What are you up to? Um, so yeah, so Dumbledore, as as we just mentioned, is the headmaster. If you've never read Harry Potter. Yeah, um, and yeah, that's what the movie is about. <laughs> and there's Snape, 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 Severus Snape, another <laughs> hilarious Harry Potter meme. Um, and there's also the, the and, Harry Potter musical. Yeah. What's the funny meme from that? Oh, I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> this is what happens when you've got to do a, a, a podcast in a relatively short amount of time that's packed full of 20 years of like yeah. pop cultural like effect. Maybe one of the most affecting franchises of the last of the last two decades. It like, genuinely is. And I, I, you know, I don't want to give. Uh, really any credit or too much credit to jk rowling but i think that the the world created and not not even just the um the the lore and, and like that she created but the way it was brought to the screen um a lot of that was you know chris columbus in the first film a lot of that was uh, alfonso Cuaron in the third mm-hmm. film but the like look of these films it's one of the like richest fictional worlds we've been introduced to since maybe star wars for sure, uh, but even then, I'm I have a lot of issues with the the world building mm. in terms of what. Well, no, like it's like like I can I can happily dunk on Rowling now. I guess yeah. <laughs> every nice thing you say, you've got to. <laughs> um, I like like there are so many inconsistencies in this world. There's so many things that like just never got answered. I, I feel like probably the most famous one was like if you go to Hogwarts when you're eleven. Do you just have the intellect of an eleven or the education of an eleven-year-old muggle for mm. the rest of your life because you never learnt like advanced maths or English? Like that's something that always really bothers me. Maybe when we talk about Quidditch, I'll talk about why that bothers me. Oh, you got um, Goblet but... of Fire. When we get to Goblet of Fire, boy howdy, do I have some logical problems <laughs> with that movie? Well, should we just Play skip story. the next two movies and go straight to Goblet of Fire? <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> yes. Yeah, so. This film was directed by Chris Columbus, who you may know from uh, Home Alone and Home Alone 2, Lost in New York, Mrs. Doubtfire, etc., etc. So, yeah, very much known for these kind of, like, big kids' films. Mm. He was one of many 
directors, you know, had that, uh, Terry Gilliam was yeah, yeah. attached for a long time and was uh, J.K. Rowling really wanted him and he was quite pissed off when he missed out. Steven Spielberg was uh, in talks as well. He wanted to condense a few of the books and also make it animated with Hayley Joel Osment playing Harry and then yeah jk rowling vetoed that she american as well like was it i've yeah yeah she's and he he also wanted to see it in an american high school but the yes they ended up creating a a rule that you know everyone cast had to be from the british isles so Mm -hmm. yeah and yeah robin williams wanted to play hagrid but got turned away and yeah, there's a, there's a few sort of examples like there's there's a bunch of fame. This is another one of those franchises where everyone's got their favorite piece of behind the scenes trivia. We're not going to get to them all. Everyone's got their favorite, mm. you know, little tiny bit. We're not going to get to them all, but that's what the cult elders are for. That's what the Discord is for. Like, hop in there, tell us what mm. you love about these franchise. This franchise. That's a good way to put it. That is how we should start marketing those elements of the cult <laughs> culture, like network community. Is like, tell us what. If you go to the Discord, you won't feel the need to tell us the piece of trivia that we forgot to mention, mm. you know? <laughs> yeah. But, yeah, the the casting for this was also obviously insane, trying to find, like, three, the the, the core trio of, you know, mm. 10 and 11-year-old actors at the time. Mm. Daniel Radcliffe was seen in a film uh, called David Copperfield, and they, I, I, they auditioned, you know, thousands of, of boys, but they they kept coming back to him, but he had been his parents pulled him out of acting and said, you know, he's, he'll never be an actor again because uh, he's got to focus on his schoolwork. And then Chris Columbus and I think the writer Steve Cloves just kept on, you know, like just really wanted this kid. And then they they happened to just like sit the casting director and Steve Cloves just happened to sit behind Daniel Radcliffe and his parents at the theater one night and said and convinced them to let him take the role of harry potter saying like no like fame isn't going to change him like he's not going to be that famous um (laughs) starring in the third biggest franchise of all time but Mm. yeah it's um i think they they did pretty well i think their acting improves over the so so yeah i think this is a this is something that i've had to readjust how i would phrase it because i think um daniel radcliffe and emma watson are quite bad in the first (laughs) i think rupert grint's fine but he also probably has the easiest role well and he also doesn't he improves the least (laughs) yeah that's true um and it's this hard thing because at the same time i agree with the like the statement of like what a risk and look how well this paid Mm. off because by by film eight like they are you know like they took Mm. a risk on these kids who turned out to be able to carry the series to its conclusion and so in that sense i'm like well i guess it was worth it and maybe they saw something Mm. um and props to chris columbus like someone who probably doesn't get enough legacy credit for Mm. these these films um but like what i guess what i'm saying is is like and because people like oh they're just kids it's like no 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 there are plenty of kid actors Mm who would show these guys up easily. Like, yeah. you can't say, like, you can't take it easy on them because they're kids when something like E.T. exists and the kid who played Elliot in E.T. is, like, gives, mm. like, this breathtaking performance. And his you know? audition videos just always shows up on my recommended videos on YouTube. It always shows up on my recommendations. <laughs> it's so weird. <laughs> <laughs> I've, I've never watched it. It's called, like, You Got the Part, Kid. <laughs> right, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um. 
so yeah i just think that's interesting that like it paid off but you certainly wouldn't be able to tell from the first two yeah. movies but yeah it's like, like i said at the start that's like they, they they were good enough actors to mm-hmm. to carry it that it, yeah i when everything else around them is propping up the movie so much abs- absolutely really yeah, yeah 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 what are your uh what are your favorite parts aj <laughs> um of so i've always struggled with the first the chris columbus ones because i because of the acting and I always felt like kind of strange about the the uh, response that it, like every like I've got so many friends who for whom these are their favorite ones because of how nostalgic mm, they yeah, feel, yeah, sure. and I've just never felt that nostalgia despite having seen them when I was young. I never saw them again. I always saw three and four all the time. Like those were the ones that I feel like I saw the most. Talking to people this this week and just saying that I was doing um a lot of people most people list three or four as their favorite I've, I've found yeah um so in terms of my favorite bits i mean again i really like hagrid and i think there's a lot i i, I think a lot of the marketing material around this film was the image of tiny little harry potter standing next to huge hagrid which i th- always thought was so interesting like there's a there's a really famous poster that's the two of them looking out at the hogwarts castle you know and i always thought that was interesting because it's a relatively small part of the story, like his journey with Hagrid. Um, but the, the, it's such a engaging image. Well, I, I guess it's that thing of like, this was, this was still a time when people were like, what? He's big. And he, like, you know, like Superman, yeah. What's Harry Potter. <laughs> yeah. When, when Superman, the movie initially came out and the tagline was just, you'll believe a man can fly. And it was like mm. the idea that you could have a man, fly on screen was just insane mm. it's the same thing yeah. here where 2001 people are like how was one of them big and one of them small <laughs> yeah um so i'd say like everything yeah i just really like hagrid i really like the hagrid scenes i don't actually like the first one that much yeah. i think i think it's it's also i think i feel like again like i'm cautious of saying these blanket statements as if they're public opinion but i feel like everyone would agree that the first book is also the weakest just because it's written a lot more simply than the others yeah i also think that the just by virtue of like how it happens like the the, mm. the plot is that mm. i'm i'm less interested in a harry potter who goes around going what's that and then a know-it-all character's like it's the it's the gloopy stoop and <laughs> like i i'm just i'm just less interested by that character who's constantly having to ask what things are he's still the exposition's done a lot more subtly in, in later films when because uh, there's a lot of the harry's a fucking doesn't know jack shit about magic <laughs> and he's still constantly learning shit but it's it's less like we're just holding the hand of this one fucking idiot kid mm. through this yeah. magic world yeah mm. yeah i don't know what are your favorite parts from the first movie yeah like i g- generally speaking i agree with you that it's like this one's weak and i do have that nostalgia for i watched it again in maybe 20 uh 19 and it was like oh yeah this this movie is not like it's it, it's a great like tv movie like if, yeah totally if it's on it's tv energy, with ad it? breaks i'll watch it and sort of and i'll quite happily go off and do something in the ad break and it's no big deal if i don't make it back in mm. time but sitting down and watching it i'm like yeah it's not like yeah uh, but but uh, like you say like christopher columbus 
or Chris Columbus uh, deserves like some credit. And I think, but I think the, the franchise smartly didn't stay with that image. And then, and Alfonso Cuaron mm. is like responsible for that change in the third film. But yeah, the, like I, it's almost like this is what the first film needed to be. Yeah, and they were exactly. able to make that change because that, you know, Deathly Hallows part two is what Deathly Hallows part two needed to be. Yeah, yeah. And it's funny that this movie's like two hours 30 as well. Mm. And like, you could so imagine like they've finished the first cut of the first film and they're like, Chris, this is the shortest book and yeah. the movie is two hours 30. And it's a really interesting perspective on how a medium can change how a story is told. Mm. Because like, I think Order of the Phoenix is like two hours. And that book, have you seen how fucking massive yeah. that book is? It's like, the longest, it's... Sorry, Order of the Phoenix is the longest book and the second shortest movie. Um, mm. Chamber of Secrets is the second shortest book and the longest movie. Is it the longest movie? Yeah. Huh. That's so interesting. Wow. Hmm. But you know what? It flies by and for all the two and a half hour movies. Chamber of Secrets watched, is the longest one. Sorry, not, not Philosophers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah no, no. Um, like, but all of them, I would say, like, they feel pretty, they feel a lot better paced than what I remember them being when I yeah. was read, had just read the books and watched all the movies. That was one of my biggest issues was mm. like, he goes to Hogwarts by like the fucking 20 minute. That's probably not true. But yeah. The, um, <laughs> yeah, I always thought it was too rushed, but what do you even do in a movie that long? Mm. I guess, yeah, I mean, it's definitely not the 20 minute. It's probably closer to like the 40 no, minute no. mark, I'd imagine. No, I know. It's more like, I think Hagrid turns up after like half an hour, and I always thought that was too soon. Should we have a look? But yep, show me. I I downloaded the films so that I could watch them, uh, and when I was on holiday. So Harry Potter one. Uh, what are we looking for? The first shot of Hogwarts when on the boats. Um, I guess so. I was more talking about Hagrid, was what I said just. Okay, there. yeah, but I'm Hagrid just... opening the door. Okay, so the shot of Hogwarts with the boat is. 38 minutes into the film. Okay. Hagrid shows up. That makes sense. Hagrid shows up about 12 minutes in. 12 minutes? 13 minutes, yeah. Holy shit, that's such a short amount of time. It 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 feels like a short amount of time. Yeah, I know, but like that's what I mean is like... I don't know. I, I'm complaining about such an amorphous thing here, like a like an abstract feeling that something mm. should take longer than it does. When the book itself is probably like pretty... feels pretty much yeah. when you read it. Oh, so one thing I do take issue with, and mm-hmm. I I actually have a, a very similar story as of last night to talk about my the bullshit ending of the film where <laughs> Slytherin wins the house cup. Yes. <laughs> and then and then Dumbledore just fucking pulls points out of his ass and um and then says, Oh, Gryffindor won. So Fucking- like Dumbledore, <laughs> don't do it that way. Give Gryffindor the points first, first. you yeah. asshole. You fucking jerk. Like, it's such a clear prejudice against Slytherin. Yeah. So um, I, I, I mentioned on the Discord today that I had a, a funny story about a pub quiz I did last night. And I said, mm. someone has to ask me about it for um, for a post credit scene. So I was hiding the story behind a paywall. But no, the- <laughs> It actually fits into this because a very similar thing happened to me and Craig mm-hmm. last night. Craig, if you're listening, hello. Um, I'm here, of course, he'd be listening. But the <laughs> so we went to this pub quiz and uh, our team name was Jesus Wept. 
and it got to they were reading out the scores there was nine teams there and they were reading out the scores so they were one of these places that does um a bar tab for second to last place and the first two teams as well and mm-hmm. they read out and they said like there's a tie at the top and we're like oh shit and then they he, they reading out the names from ninth to first and he said oh there's a tie for second place and he read out there's two team names neither of them were us so we were like fuck we won and they were like, oh, stoked. Okay. And they said, yep. And then, so we've got to do a tiebreak for those teams, but Jesus wept, you guys are the winner. Come collect your bar tab. Then, you know, this fucking woman like marches down from the table next to us and talks to him. And then they're talking for a while and we're like, you know, it's getting late. And we're like, okay, we're just keen to go. And then he goes, oh, there has been, oh, he's like, there's a controversy. There's a big controversy uh the, he's like wow. so so some points were deducted when they weren't meant to be because i wasn't here last week so there has been a change at the top and craig and i are like what what the fuck is he talking about deducting points were weird and then so he goes uh, and he's like i was told that the team next to us whatever their name was he's like had had came second last week but it was two weeks ago so now and he went through the points and then all of a sudden this team next to us had four more points than us. And we were like, what the fuck? And so, and Craig and I were just looking at each other being like, what the fuck? Like, so did we not win after that? After they told us we won, we now just mm-hmm. haven't won. And so the table next, and we were looking at them, and we were like, what What happened? And they were like, oh, you guys, Jesus wept. And we were like, yeah, sorry, what? And one of the women, and so this woman leans over and it's like, Oh, so so we came, we last two weeks ago, we came second and he, and he thought it was last week. So, we got so so he took ten points off us and 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 I was I was like what sorry what I was like what are you what are you talking about and like yeah he'd taken ten points off us because he thought we came second and I was like but why would he take points off? what the hell are you talking about and she just kept on talking about and and I and I and I had to be like I'm sorry so so you didn't come second last week but if you had why would he take points off you the, in yeah. this quiz. And she was like, oh, it's just, and and then didn't really explain it. So we went out to collect our bar tab and the guy was like, oh, you guys did a great job. Um, sorry about that. And so, we, so we said, what actually happened? And, then, and he said, yeah. so he said he wasn't MC last week. He normally is. And someone told him these people came second that week, but they didn't. And when, so if you win the next week, you lose 15 points from the start. If you come second, the next week you lose 10 points. So he's like, you know, it creates an even playing field for everyone. And I said, right. So if we come back next week, we get 10 points taken off. And he was like, yeah, yeah, it creates an even playing field. And I said, probably won't come back then. <laughs> and, 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 he, and he was like, oh, you know, I've seen people come back from, from you know, my, minus 10 or minus 15 and, and still win it. And I was like, yeah, I, I probably... It's probably the last you'll see of us. And he's like, you got to come back and spend your bar tab. And I was like, I'll probably just use it to buy my dinner I had tonight. <laughs> and it was like, and I was like, so, so wait, if we come back in two weeks, we won't have anything taken off. It's like, well, I guess not. And it's like, okay, so see you in two weeks then, I guess. And then, so we went to, the, went to pay for the, the bar tab. We have a $50 bar tab we won. And I went up to the to the counter and was like, hey, um, yeah, can we use this bar tab to pay for our dinner? He was like, yeah, yeah, is it valid? And I said, yep, pointed at the date on it, said till September 2020, uh, 2022, sorry. And he was like, he's like, yeah, and I said, oh, you, you, would, ju- you would just want it now. So it's like, it's, it's valid. And he's like, oh, yeah, no, you can't use it. And I was like, why not? And he's like, oh, it, it's, it's it, the expiry is here. So, and I was like, yeah, yeah, today is before September 2022. 
And he was like, yeah, no, you can't use it. And I said, why not? And he's like, yeah, you know, you just, you just have to come back. And I said, why? And, he, and it's like, it had all these terms and conditions printed on it. Nothing saying like, you can't use it the day you win it. And he was like, yeah, yeah, no, you, you just have to come back. And I was like, where on this does it say that? And fortunately, like you, you, like you, AJ, know what I'm like with these kind of situations. <laughs> Craig was uh, completely on my same level. Like we were both just like, this place is fucked. <laughs> and like, <laughs> if I don't, like, if uh, I'm only going to go back there to spend my $50 bar tab and nothing else. Um, mm. And well, I mean, that that's the answer to your question, though, mm. is like, why? Why can't I spend it now? Because we want you to come back. Yeah, exactly. Um, and but yeah, it was just it was just the weirdest experience. And then just so walking out of there, Craig and I just like, what? Why the? What is wrong with that place? I've I've never heard of a pub quiz penalizing teams for doing well the next week. That's just yeah. insane to me. Why would you be a regular if you can only win every two weeks? Because also, it's <laughs> like like maybe one or two points. Because it's not normally ten points. It, like ten points is, is quite a big discrepancy. Yeah, yeah. Like teams don't usually win by ten points. And I know it's like, oh, Richard loves to be right and loves to win. But like, I'm I'm not alone that that's insane, right? <laughs> and no, also, to not advertise well. that until after you've told us we won. Like at that point, you have to give us the the first prize bar tab as well. Yeah, it's also the like inconsistency of what is a pub quiz team. It's mm. not a set in stone thing. Yeah, if you change your name, if you're no longer Jesus Wept, are you a different team? Yeah, I mean, I, I I'm busy next Wednesday, but I would love to go back there and just be like, you know, we're Jesus Yept. Yeah, we yeah we're not the same team. Don't you can't deduct points from us, um, or just go back in two weeks and be like. Yeah, <laughs> like, treat us like an old team. But now we've got a $50 bar tab and then we'll win it and then we'll come back in two weeks and just do the same thing. So now you've just, instead of having a regular, you've now had, you've now created someone who only comes back every two weeks and only ever spends their bar tab. They won it the last one. I think as well as like the, um, we've we've discovered off pod and it is probably worth mentioning at some point because it's essential to any millennial conversation of Harry Potter is that you uh, are a Slytherin. <laughs> <laughs> you belong to Slytherin house. And I would love if after, so the end of Philosopher's Stone, they're like Slytherin one. However, um, Harry, Ron, Hermione and Neville got these points for <laughs> breaking the law. <laughs> yeah. Um, so Gryffindor actually wins. I'd love to see you and Slytherin House like march up the front to Dumbledore and be like, "What the fuck are you talking about? What do you mean? What do you mean? What, no, so- they broke the law, and then you gave Neville points for standing up to them breaking the law. Mm. What? So, <laughs> what is the consistency? In this here? scenario, though, it would be us being awarded, and then Harry, Ron, Hermione, and Neville march up and be like, "No, you forgot about the brave things we did," <laughs> and then and then me casually walking up being like. So what was that about? I don't understand yeah. the rules then, Dumbledore. <laughs> <laughs> right, Dumbledore, so, you so you're just going to choose Gryffindor every year then. Mm. Okay, well then yeah. why would I do extracurricular things to try and earn yeah, points yeah. if you're just going to change yeah. it? I thought it was yeah, set in yeah. stone. <laughs> and me as a Hufflepuff, because my main character trait is that I'm a pussy, um, <laughs> I wouldn't have done anything if I was if, if Hufflepuff was stripped of the title yeah. at the last moment. I do, um, I do want to address the the Slytherin accusation I accusation I don't I'm not accusing <laughs> you <laughs> I, I I consider myself a switch 
Okay. So I'm I'm I between Slytherin and uh, Ravenclaw. Because I, I do find it's the same with like the what's it called the Myers Briggs personality test is like it everything I think I'm INTP or something, but it's or like last time I did it I, I was but like my highest percentage for any of those is like fifty four percent. It's like I'm not that much anything, and if I'm in a slightly different mood on a day, I can be one of you know the other one, and so. Yeah, I think it's just That's depending on trait. how, yeah, how evil. The most underdeveloped house. <laughs> it depends if I'm feeling evil or smart. I'll, um, <laughs> I'll be a Slytherin or Ravenclaw. But I do. It is very funny because you go to. We've got a store here called Typo, which is like, it's just it's like a last minute gift store, but like kind of trendy, like um, you know, brown paper with twine, kind of like that sort of. Lots of Harry Potter, but lots and lots no of Harry books. Potter merch, and. I was speaking to someone who worked there one time and they were talking about, because um, we were getting a present for someone who was a Hufflepuff and it was like a mug or something like that. And <laughs> they said they didn't have any Hufflepuff mugs. They had um, shitloads of Gryffindor and then handful of, um, you know, the other two um, of Hufflepuff, Huff, sorry, Ravenclaw and Slytherin. And it's this funny thing where if you care enough about Harry Potter and your house to go and buy a mug reflecting your house, you're probably a Hufflepuff. But the makers of like Harry Potter merch always assume everyone wants to be in Gryffindor because that's Harry, Ron and Hermione's one. So they make extra Gryffindor merch, but not a lot of people actually identify as Gryffindors. I think Gryffindor is is the the books are biased toward Gryffindor yeah. and paint Gryffindor like it's the main character house, it's yeah. the protagonist house. I think Gryffindor are jocks. That's how I see Gryffindor. Mm, yeah, interesting. They, like Harry spoilers, Harry becomes a cop, a magical cop when he graduates <laughs> Hogwarts. Okay. So like that's what Gryffindor is. It's when well, he's it's like the, the star jocks. player on the like the yeah, the, the one sport jocks. team they have. But he They're jocks. Hufflepuff are the emotionally intelligent the thing. So you go to any store that has that makes Harry Potter merch based on like houses, and you buy the one that reflects the house you you think you're in. Hufflepuff mm. will always sell out first because mm. everyone underest like. Of course, Hufflepuff's gonna be the most popular because yeah. they like Harry Potter. Because everyone's a pussy. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I was at. I mean, a month ago, I was standing in in um uh what's the fucking. <laughs> what's the- <laughs> The uh, the train station called oh, King's, um, Cross. King's Cross. Yeah. I was I was standing in King's Cross, staring at um at nine and three platform nine and three quarters, mm. which nine I'm and sure three quarters. First- think you're being funny, do you? Think you're being funny, do you? Reprises his role in the second film. <laughs> um, the he uh yeah, like I'm sure when they first installed nine and three quarters, it was like this cute little trolley that's shoved into the wall so it looks like yeah. someone's walking through a portal. Now it's like you have to line up in a zigzag, like, cordoned-off area and there's this giant Harry Potter shop next to it. I didn't have any desire to get a photo myself, yeah. but you're supposed to line up and then you get you get given the scarf of the house that you feel you belong yeah. to by, like, the person guarding it and then you grab onto the trolley and someone holds your scarf so it looks like you're running through at full speed. It was... 
I won't do this a lot, I promise. <laughs> it was the most millennial shit I've ever seen. Like, it, it made me feel sick. <laughs> and also, it's not really nine and three quarters, because the layout of King's Cross is like, you go to the next section where platforms 10 to 12 are. Yeah. And so, like, there isn't, like, a nine and... It don't, it, it's, a, it's not how it works. <laughs> yeah, so the, the, the actual platform, I believe, was, um like, between three and four, and Jackie Rowling's just admitted she'd, like, forgot which one when she wrote it um because so i went to king's cross station in 2002 um Mm -hmm. so the first movie had come out but the second one hadn't Mm. yet and Mm. um we grabbed our own trolleys pushed them up against the wall and made it look like we were no we don't think we have trolleys we just like ran at the wall and like tried to make it look like we were going in because we we you got a nine and three quarters or at least in 2002 anyway it was essentially just like you go to platforms nine and ten, and there's it was just like one pole that had you know like a T-shaped pole with nine and ten. Chuck Elvis, you had to go to platforms three and four, I think, to actually get those sort of brick arches. And mm. yeah, there was no line. There was there was I mean there might have been other people there, but we felt kind of embarrassed to be like, oh my god, we're doing the Harry Potter thing. How lame are we? <laughs> and this was twenty years ago. Um, and I've mm. got photos of us running at the wall <laughs> and my sister like has her arms up and like really looks like she's walked, just smacking into the wall. It's quite <laughs> funny because this was also, you know, before any kind of like digital photography. So you yeah. take a photo, hope it worked out and then you'll find out in a month when you get it printed. <laughs> um, but yeah, we, we we sort of did this stuff. But yeah, it's, cra- it's crazy to think now because I just for some reason got a reminder. It was actually the pub quiz again yesterday. <laughs> I got a reminder of like the, because it was, um, it was a question about when did the Queen Mother die? And it was 2002 because I was in the UK at the time. My mum sent an unflattering postcard of the Queen Mother to her own mother, um, just like as a joke, being like, you know, look at this. Like, and um, while it was in transit, the Queen Mother died. So when it arrived, it was this really dark joke. <laughs> Incredible. Um, but yeah, and we're thinking like, fuck, that was like the first movie had only just come out when, yeah. when we were there. Yeah. Yeah, and here we are, and its its stench still lives on. Yeah, but we should uh, for we could do a film franchise follow ups where you talk about going to King's Cross Station, and I can talk about going to Harry Potter World at Universal Studios Japan. <laughs> okay, <laughs> I've probably said all of the whole story. I went up to the guy and asked, "Where's my train?" <laughs> a of times, and he so. said, "Think you're being funny, do you? You think you're being funny, do you? Where's my train? Um, think you're being funny." <laughs> Before we uh, move on to the second film, is there a French wise? I feel the need to remind you because we seem to forget each time. Yeah. Well, is I mean, it necessary for this episode to ask why did this become a franchise? I think you we, we would have to say about the books, really. Mm. And what do you think it yeah, is about as what, the first what book? What is appealing? Mm. I think it's escapism. I think it's wish fulfillment. I think that was always the thing that pulled me back into Harry Potter was like being like, yeah, I wish I fucking could fly on a broomstick. I wish I could eat every flavor of beans, which my wish came true there because of the Jelly Belly, uh, every flavor beans Mm, brand. The Jelly Belly Um, soda you had. Yeah, exactly. Never have Never I heard that ever. before. <laughs> um, and so I'd say like the endurance of Harry Potter, I think, is a combination of um, of wish fulfillment and then genuinely quite compelling, slightly too dark for its demographic storytelling, which is yeah. always, I think, the most attractive kind of storytelling yeah. when you, as a kid, when you feel like you're reading something that's a little bit too grown up for you. Yeah. And I think that there is... Um... 
I think they are reasonably well written in t- in terms of especially like that hitting that demographic of exactly what you said where it's like this is going to be a lot of people's first sort of introduction to a slightly more advanced reading without being you know so advanced that it's that's hard but then also it's not so dumbed down that adults can't also enjoy it it's it's it, it hits yeah. a very and so you know that's that's one nice thing i have to say <laughs> i've got a question uh. is professor quirrell the least famous actor to portray a main adult character in Harry Potter. I because think from the, the second film onwards, all the, you know, because there's at least a new Defense Against the Dark Arts teacher every year. Mm. Um, it's all, they're always some kind of relatively heavyweight um, actor is brought in, um, starting from the film we're about to talk about. But, like, who plays Quirrell, the main villain yeah. of the first film? Ian Hart. Some is guy? His name. Ian Hart. He's he's got a pretty impressive resume, I'll be honest. But I I wouldn't recognize him not as Quirrell. No. No. But I, the- I looked up actually on Letterboxd who like who is the actor from Harry Potter that we've seen in the mm. most film franchise Fortnite's things? Would mm. you like to take a guess of who it might be? John Cleese. It is John Cleese. He's sort of our our most seen actor in the least prominent roles because he's nearly headless Nick and only the first two Harry Potters and then he shows up as like random bit parts in so many other movies. Uh, but next, I think it's a tie between Robbie Coltrane because he's in two uh, Indiana Joneses and mm. a James Bond as well as these eight movies. And then um, Tom Felton beats all the other kids because <laughs> he's he's Draco Malfoy in Harry Potter, but then he was also in um, Plan- the, Rise uh, of the Planet of the Apes and Rise he's the Planet in of the Get, Apes, Into the Greek. Get Into the Greek. So like he also beat, like you would, I would say he's maybe the least famous of the, the uh, you know, I'd say Harry, Ron and Hermione, yeah. And their actors are the are more famous, but yeah, he's he's beaten them in terms of franchise. Oh yeah, he also kind of grew like by the end of the franchise. I think grew up to be like the best actor. I agree. No, he's got a lot more to chew. He's such a little cunt <laughs> in the first couple, <laughs> yeah, though. Totally. Yeah. Like, oh, yeah. just the fucking worst, eh? Like, <laughs> um, it, it's so interesting in this first film how like if all of harry's like preconceived notions about all these things are just like he just meets some fucking dweeby redhead on the train or like Mm. at the train station is like all right i'm gonna base the next fucking seven years of my life just on like what you you are and then how um and then you know because he's like not slytherin not slytherin it's like all you know about it is this one kid is a slytherin (laughs) It does sound kind of gross, though, doesn't it? Yeah, it's like, obviously the fucking evil one. (laughs) They become friends on such a worm, and then because of that, like, this kid's life and his family are fraught with torment. Yeah, yeah. Because they're involved with Harry Potter. Yeah. Just before we move on, um, I will just point out as well that this was the second highest grossing film of all time at its release, and uh, just uh, in 2020 grossed over a billion dollars because it was re-released in several countries wow. and because it was what like you know just 900 um uh, four fuck i did have it but it's gone now so titanic. no well titanic was oh yeah so titanic was number one um yeah, yeah. but then i'm not sure what yeah, overtook what it that's as second. I mean. right okay so no. sorry god okay so no no you did well <laughs> so uh now it's the second film aj what's it called 
Harry Potter and the the Chamber of Secrets. Oh, that, that is so funny. That is I so funny, man. Secretions. Oh my god, you are on fire tonight. <laughs> yeah, I. I'm trying out <laughs> Google Drive, Google Docs's, uh, like no pa- page free view. But I don't like okay. it, and I, I want okay. I want my pages back. How do I turn off those? What's the Chamber of Secrets the, about? <laughs> Chamber of Secrets is about um, they're back they're back at Hogwarts, um, but some strange goings on are afoot because students and some of the ghosts and a cat um, are suddenly paralyzed as if they'd seen something very spooky, um, and there are these omens like things written in blood on the wall which refer to something called the chamber of secrets is being opened and we come to find out that the salazar slytherin the founder of slytherin house was get this a nazi a wizard nazi (laughs) um and because of that he made a secret room in the in the castle that no one's ever found called the chamber of secrets where he houses uh, a monster there's something or other about being worthy oh it's the pure blood it's that yeah. that salazar slytherin didn't believe um you can you should be able to be a wizard if you have any muggle blood in you um it's a it's it's a direct metaphor for a few things um <laughs> And uh, we also find out that Harry's ability to speak to snakes, which was shown in the first film, but in a completely different way that really mm, pisses me a off. very silly um, way. <laughs> yeah, um, is actually a sign that maybe he is the heir to Slytherin himself. Um, but Harry soon finds out that uh, the strange diary that talks to him um, from one Tom Riddle from 50 years prior, Tom Riddle grew up to be Voldemort and who's been taken oh no it's Ginny I hope this all makes sense there's uh Kenneth Branagh is in this film as the new defense against the dark arts teacher um and who else is that's that's that anyone anyone else big introduced in this one Dobby played by um Toby Jones yeah who's based off of Vladimir Putin really yeah the, the the design of the character is based off Vladimir Putin he doesn't look like Vladimir Putin. Well, I'm sorry if you're a Putin sympathizer, but I... I... <laughs> Whatever. Um, yeah, I mean, you've seen it. You've all seen it. You've all read it. That's what it's about. Um, Chris Columbus again. Sorry, I can mm-hmm. see you're still trying to get your pages. Back. I am. Okay, wait, I think I've got page set up. Ah, uh, <laughs> Okay. Okay, now I'm ready to podcast. <laughs> okay. Uh, yeah, Chris Columbus. Yeah, yeah, Chris Columbus again. Um, and yeah, that's 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 what it's about. It was Chris Columbus didn't end up returning for the third film because he realized he was going to miss his uh, kids growing up if he continued with the franchise, and you know, instead wow. have these other watch these other kids, uh, yeah, um, grow up. But the, the we also yeah, Gilderoy Lockhart you mentioned played by Kenneth Branagh who was also then approached to direct the third film as well, because he's also mm-hmm. quite an accomplished director. But he... And I think he probably would have made an all right film at this point. I don't know if Prisoner career. of Azkaban's his movie, though. True, true. He could have probably done one of the first two. Or like Order of the Phoenix. Or, yeah. I would have given him Order of the Phoenix, I think. Mm. Yeah, he was... The character of Gilderoy Lockhart was apparently offered to Hugh Grant, who had to pull out the last second... Um, 
because of two weeks notice. Oh, really? Yeah. Did he give two weeks notice? Yeah, to... very good, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> two weeks notice instead of Harry fucking Potter. Yeah. Oh my God. I think that's it was, so it was like a not, it wasn't like a, he made his choice. It was like mm. a, you're contractually obligated to this and it, it got pushed. So now you can't do that kind of thing. Right. Um, but yeah, and here's a piece of dumb IMDb trivia. That's also a fun piece of casting on a, In his appearance on eight out of 10 cats, Alan Cumming revealed that he had been offered to audition for the role of Gilderoy Lockhart in this movie. But when he learned from his agent, how much more money Rupert Everett was being paid for a screen test. That just stops. Yeah. <laughs> And there's a full okay. stop as well. It's not like they hit enter too early. <laughs> or maybe it's only missing one word, like pulled out. Yeah, well, that's two. Maybe. You fucking idiot. Yeah. It retracted. Mm. What does this one have on Rotten Tomatoes? What would you guess? First one at 81. 81. I would guess probably pretty similar. 80, 82. 83. 83, 83 it is 83. Yeah, nice. I, I, oh, pointed, so I pointed upwards for AJ to... To get that it was a very, very visual kind of thing is it so it's considered one point two points better than the first one yeah but like roughly uh, enough like that i think that's enough of a margin of error that they that you can mm. say they're considered on par hmm. yeah i've got some perhaps unique opinions about chamber of secrets i doubt <laughs> i doubt with the thousands of fans, the <laughs> fans that harry potter has that you can have mm. any unique opinions on it um when I reread these when I was 20, mm. I thought the first one was a kid's book. I was like, this isn't very entertaining. No, I'm, tw- I'm 20 now. This is. <laughs> I'm 20. This is too young. Uh, excuse me, Joanne. I'm actually 20. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, then I read this one and I thought it was impeccable. You're like, this, I is, thought, this is too adult for me. <laughs> this is too adult for me. Take it back, Joanne. No, I thought it was incredible. I thought the. the especially, and I'd love to talk about some of the stuff. Um, around how it sequels because that feels important to our franchise podcast mm-hmm. because that was what I really liked about it. Um, and sure. look at the the series as a whole. I would say, and I I feel like Prisoner of Azkaban gets a lot more praise in this area. I think this is the best standalone Harry Potter story. That's like, bullshit. That's fucking I th- bullshit. <laughs> I think that the the films get better, like the the actual films as a whole get better. Mm. And I think that um, if you're into the the ongoing lore, I would say probably Order of the Phoenix is where I think it. You love Order of the Phoenix, man. You won't fucking shut up about it. <laughs> it's, Order of the Phoenix is the best one for the ongoing story. Chamber of Secrets is the best one. That's just about a thing that doesn't really come up again. I don't even remember which one Order of the Phoenix is. I got reminded today that uh, Umbridge is on it. <laughs> okay, well, I'm talking more about the books than the films, to be honest. Oh, but, um, fucking Hufflepuff, all right. <laughs> <laughs> so stupid. I think some things I really like about Chamber of Secrets, a movie which is... Still probably like three stars and too long. Um and yeah, I'm not I'm not jazzed about the movie, but I really like um the, the I think the most attractive thing about it to me is the like the uh crisis it thrusts upon Harry wondering, Am I actually another Slytherin? Like mm. am I I thought I was Gryffindor, but I kinda got in under dubious means. Mm. And the sorting hat was telling me that I I um 
then I'm probably that I could be a great Slytherin. Am mm. I Slytherin? And the whole talking to the parcel tongue, talking to snakes thing, which Ron calls parcel mouth in one scene, and I'm like, you got the fucking line wrong, Rupert. Do it again. <laughs> yeah. So Harry having that sort of thing about um, is is the way I was born different from the way I identify? Mm, yeah yeah exactly <laughs> and jk rowling gives us a precise fucking no <laughs> well no actually no it's, it's, no, it's what it, you identify as yeah it's what you identify because and the the i always thought that the best line jk rowling's ever written is at the end of chamber of secrets where she said where dumbledore says um it is our actions or it is our choices that define who we are not yada 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 that's verbatim from the book (laughs) like i just think that's such a sweet idea and and i've thought about that a lot that like and it's the same as um batman begins it's not who i am underneath but what i do that defines me it's essentially saying the same thing that like you are you as a person are defined by your actions not maybe like the dark secrets or thoughts that you have Mm. you know the chambers of dark secrets perhaps in your brain the brain chambers (laughs) um so (laughs) i always thought Potter, the chamber of brains (laughs) <laughs> I always thought that was easily Harry's most interesting conflict. I think the fact that he's like 12 plays into it as well because mm. it's quite a young, um, like it's a lower stakes conflict. Yeah, he might have had to go on um, uh, Gryffindor blockers. <laughs> what are you talking about? Like PV blockers. Oh, right. <laughs> the, uh, the, I, th- I always thought like, this is the this is such a good example of Chekhov's guns because so many things are set up and without you even realizing they're mm. being set up. I like actually think, Harry- t- to be fair, I think a lot of these movies and I, I presume the books do Chekhov's guns really well. There's mm. like three and four especially. There's a lot of stuff in there where you're like, no, I should have worked that out. um like i love the fact like harry can hear the basilisk and halfway through you're like because it's a snake ah like you've established he can talk to snakes why can harry hear a voice because he can talk to snakes i think that's awesome like right like that's really good um that's storytelling blocks that you're putting together and you're figuring out and i i really love that i love the the tom riddle stuff is so endlessly fascinating to me Mm. i love that um hagrid is like relatively crucial to the plot as well because like they think he opened the chamber of secrets back in the 50s or or whenever um and as i said at the start my favorite line of this movie is when they're like oh we're sorry hagrid we've got to take you away he goes take me where no Azkaban prison and it's so funny to me because it's like Robbie Coltrane got the direction like you're not scared you're just like what the fuck <laughs> like that's his reaction to oh, yeah, that yeah. it's like that's an insane overreaction to what <laughs> um, and I, I really enjoy that delivery I just I love a lot of the imagery of, and the yeah. um, insane overreactions there's we meet Lucius Malfoy in this film played by Jason Isaacs mm-hmm. that's um, Draco's mm-hmm. father and yeah. at the end of uh, one of their last sort of interactions he goes to just in the middle of school with everything around he goes to fire a a spell at harry and goes avada and then it gets cut off and it's like avada <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> kadavra is the killing curse it's the most evil Illegal. thing you can do and it's like you you know, like it's a little like the forbidden uh, curse. It's the the killing curse. It just kills the person you fire it at. Only one person ever survived it, and that was Harry Potter. And 
he was just going to do this in the middle of a school. It's like, mm. and we're surrounded by everyone. But the the thing is, though, so the the reason for that is that the book and the script don't specify what the spell is that he's that he's casting. It's just supposed to be mm. like a generic sort of like you know curse or just a, a, yeah, yeah. a, a firing back. And because Avada Kedavra isn't introduced until Goblet of Fire, the fourth book slash movie, and Jason Isaacs had just been reading the fourth one at that time and it was the first one that came to his mind so he just went Avada and then but it's now this like insane thing in the film <laughs> here's okay let's headcanon this I think that Avada is a prefix to a lot of spells <laughs> yeah. maybe. maybe it's like this is a category of spell mm. like maybe it's to do with attacking or mm. or malice you know yeah, yeah. and so maybe he was going to say like Avada Levas, Le yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm just making shit up. Or like, Avada like maybe that, maybe Rigorta. that's it. <laughs> yeah, Rigorta. Because <laughs> like Kadava, Kadava sounds like Kadava, and I thought maybe mm. it was just going to give him rigor mortis. Ah, oh, right, yeah, yeah. But yeah, the nice. you mentioned there all the stuff with Tom Riddle being great. Is this explained in the book? I I tried to ask Jess this, who's a a bit of a Harry Potter expert, but... She will know the answer. I won't know the answer if she doesn't. Although, talking this week, um, she did say that she's really more of a Doctor Who kind of gal than a a Harry (laughs) Potter one. But but the... So... Uh, uh, Controversy-free Doctor Who. (laughs) Did did Tom Marvolo Riddle... Do, when when deciding what he was going to be known as as the Dark Lord, he wrote his name out and went, "Okay, well, I'll take out the I A and M." I love that you're asking this. As this is so funny, to me. I am, and then he's like, "Well, I'll be yeah. a Lord." So I'll take, and then just he had these random letters left over, <laughs> and then is that how he came up with the name Voldemort? Because no, it's, it, it has to be right, <laughs> right? And it, this is the worst part of Chamber of Secrets: the fact that. Tom Marvolo Riddle is an anagram for I am Lord Voldemort. <laughs> I remember reading that in the book and then being excited. Like that was, I went to the cinema only excited to watch that scene because I loved it in the book. Um, right. That he did. But yeah, it, it is like watching it now. I'm like, when did you choose? Did you happen to choose the name Voldemort? Which is yeah, actually supposed yeah. to be pronounced with a silent T, fun fact. Mm. Um, but the, um, yeah, and then you just happen to work that out or. Did you love the name Lord Voldemort well, and you came I mean, with Tom Marvolo Riddle um, independently? In, in real life, Rowling would have come up with Voldemort first yeah. and then and then reverse engineered like, well, if his name's Tom Riddle, uh, that means I would need to... Because what I think is so stupid about this, one, it's, I think, one of the most troubling... I was going to say one of the most troubling aspects of J.K. Rowling, but no, it's actually, it actually doesn't mean shit in the grand scheme of things. I think she, and you'll see this a lot, I think she relies on unnecessary plot twists and like um, surprise change of allegiances. This character was actually evil, but yeah. or this character is actually this character. That sort yeah, of thing yeah. happens too much, and I think this is this is a a cousin of that problem um which is that like it doesn't need to be an anagram for anything like tom riddle can just be his name because the thing is it's not like it's a it's not like tom riddle is an anagram for voldemort in that anagram are the words i am and i'd even say lord is relatively unnecessary (laughs) if you're going to like construct this whole thing and i think it's so funny because it means like you could make like if you typed an i am lord into like an anagram finder like all these other things you could make it say 
way, you know, mm. like like Tom Marvolo Riddle could also stand for this, and it's so it's so unnecessary and like. If, if it was just, as I say, if it was just Voldemort or even Lord Voldemort, I'd be like, oh, that's cool, fine, that yeah, works. Yeah. But the fact it's got these two unnecessary words, it's just so cheesy. You, so I have I am in my name. So I'm going to mm-hmm. um, type in my name to an anagram solver, Richard Martin. And Marvelo? Out- what the fuck is Marvelo? You just fucking made that up. I mean, the whole thing's made up, I guess. I guess it doesn't sound any better or worse than any other made-up name in the series. Mm. Yeah, I can't be bothered working out. You can spell hadn't. Hadn't Voldemort. But so there is one interesting thing, though, because in uh, various dubs of this they still mm. wanted to make the yes to I'm make it work you, yeah 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 uh, so and this is this is something normally you do where you are forced to just pronounce words that you have no business pronouncing um <laughs> but so i've got a bunch of different languages here so in spanish his name is tom sorvolo riddle riddle spelled with a y which trans- transforms into soy lord voldemort in French, his name is Tom Elvis uh, which becomes Je suis Voldemort. Uh, in Italian, his name is Tom Ovolison Riddle, which uh, makes up Sonio Lord Voldemort. In German, his name is Tom Volost Riddle, which uh, makes up Easter Lord Voldemort. In Dutch, it's Martin Asmodom Villigen, which um, is an anagram for Mijin uh, Nam S. Voldemort. In Turkish, his name is Tom Malvoldo Riddle, which makes up Adim Lord Voldemort. In Brazilian Portuguese, it's Tom Servolo Riddle, which is East Lord Voldemort. In Swedish, his name is Tom Gus Mervolo Dolder. Gus. <laughs> which is Ego Sum Lord Voldemort, which is actually Latin. In Danish, his name is Romeo G. Detlev Jr., <laughs> they get worse don't they uh, like you're, you're running out of it sounding organic which by Dutch. Uh, makes up jig uh, voldemort or jig uh, voldemort um in icelandic his name is trevor del which is ergel ergel voldemort do you know what is really the problem romeo g detlev jr is fucking sick <laughs> i feel like i've heard that name somewhere else What's really the problem here, I think, is not that his name is an anagram for I am Lord Voldemort. It's that you're told it in the text. If if you find out his name is Tom Riddle, and then incidentally you find out his middle name is Marvolo, and then you just find out he's Voldemort, other people will will find the anagram it's because she wants to signpost how bloody clever she is that she has to put it in the text and i think it it weakens what i would otherwise consider one of the better stories in the series but it's just one moment but but yeah um this movie has my favorite daniel radcliffe delivery of a line in it Mm -hmm. and i'm gonna i'm gonna impersonate it for you now it's when he's just found uh filcher's cat is paralyzed Mm -hmm. and he goes filcher's like you've killed my cat because that's how Filch talks. <laughs> Very hard tease. Um, and Daniel Radcliffe turns around and you can tell it's like constricting his throat the way he's turning around. And he goes, No, Mr. Filch, you don't understand. Because you're used to his voice. You don't hear it that way first. Here comes but if the, you that's play- the Luigi voice again. <laughs> yeah, kind of. In, in, in isolation, he sounds crazy speaking like that. 
I have to fight the scene. <laughs> oh, sorry. Is it not the cat? It's the kid. It's not when he's killed the, the cat. It's it's when he's found a kid. Um, who's the kid they find again? Just, if you look up, like, no, Mr. Filch, you don't understand. <laughs> I think you might find it. Okay, I've typed in no, Mr. Filch, and YouTube has finished it for me. <laughs> okay, it's when he finds... Um, oh, it's just some other kid. I don't know which kid that is. Oh, it's the one that looks through the ghost. Yeah, yeah. Caught in the act. I'll have you out this time, Potter. Mark my words. No, Mr. Filch, you, you, you don't understand. <laughs> <laughs> it's the it's, I'm 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 doing it for the whole line where it's really just the end when he says don't understand. Yeah. Uh, that it, it sounds so funny. <laughs> understand you don't understand <laughs> the british accent baby it's so funny yeah. um what what are some things that you like or don't like other big things spider. other than the the big spider <laughs> you're not a big fan what okay, Ar- so, Aragog? so, so he, he, going to the movies in 2002 as as an arachnophobe you've got mm. um fucking <laughs> Aragog in Chamber of Secrets, you got Shelob yeah. in Two Towers, and you've got fucking Eight Legged Freaks came out the same year. <laughs> the two great, the three greatest films of the early 2000s. Well. <laughs> but it was like, I, I remember like dreading going to the cinema because they had these giant Eight Legged Freaks, um, like standees. And wow. then I was like, oh, well, I'll just, just head along to Chamber of Secrets, shall I? And it terrified me. The and then <laughs> head along to fucking Two Towers. And then I, I, I do actually remember, because I mean, I knew it was coming because I had read Chamber of Secrets. But then you get going to the Two Towers and be like, there's another giant spider scene. What are the chances? <laughs> well, do, do you agree with me or do you disagree with me of my my praise for this is like a like this feels like the first this feels so much more serious than the first one mm. like it feels like absolutely a lot yeah more it's planning going it, it, I, it makes me fascinated the idea of of chris columbus doing the whole series and like maintaining mm. this tone because it, yeah like you said this one is still darker while still being quite colorful in other parts but yeah i'm a big fan mm. of kenneth brenner in this film yeah, yeah. it's good fun I, I i do kind of wish hugh grant Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary played the character but i also just love keith brenner's performance so it's like little uh little column a little column b if you were to recast the role now who would you pick mm. i saw someone suggest reese darby oh yeah no totally that's that's who you'd go for he oh god reese darby would so be in one of these if they were coming out now wouldn't he welcome I mean, to he hogwarts <laughs> or would he just be playing gilderoy lockhart maybe maybe that's all i'm thinking of reese darby's a great call richard e grant oh yeah, it's surprising that he's not in this. In this, is film. he handsome enough? Is he? Is he? Um, mm. or handsome in the right way? I oh, um, Dan Stevens. <laughs> yeah, Dan no, Stevens would yeah. have so much fun with that role. He would be a great Lockhart, especially if he's playing it like his character in um, Eurovision, yeah. but English instead. <laughs> yeah. I think that's a great call. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Good call. <laughs> 
I just, I just yeah. fuck it off the top of my dome. Three, well, I mean, well, the restart nice. with someone else, but as well, also interesting with pointing out that just maybe uh, reminded me of it that this is our second franchise this year, which Sean Connery turned down a role because he didn't understand the script, and then <laughs> um, after like yeah, the, turning down Dumbledore and Morpheus in the Matrix, and also um, what's his face <laughs> Gandalf in Lord of the Rings, <laughs> he was like. Oh, I, I'm just going to take the next script I don't understand because clearly I, I don't have an eye for these things. And he signed up to League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. He hated it so much he quit acting and then died. <laughs> Speaking of I actors dying. I, I, sorry, I was just going to say, I think that Sean Connery, I think that Sean Connery is like, has this weird, at this time, had this weird grip on Hollywood as being like the guy you cast in the important old man role. Mm. But it's like, what is he famous for, guys? What's his most famous role? It's not this, like, Dumbledore mm. is this sweet, kindly, wise mm. old man. Like, Gandalf's a little hornier, I guess. But <laughs> but Dumbledore is, yeah. like, supposed to be this, like, bastion of, of love and and wisdom. Mm. And I just don't think du- that uh, that Sean Connery would Harry bring that to the... And, and I love... I think um, Richard Harris is, is great as Dumbledore. Mm. I think he he brings that, that kindness to it and this is our second franchise in a row where um the <laughs> the hottest actor is recast after halfway th- well partway through the series after roderick was recast in um, <laughs> diary of a wimpy kid although the original roderick didn't die who, i <laughs> yeah. presume is where we're going next. yeah so the um uh yeah richard harris died not long after it came out and i like i remember what seeing like the vo on the news that's what we call them in the industry when they just the reader does a voiceover with mm-hmm. some pictures instead of a track. Um, that you know he'd been recast or he was going to have to be recast. But yeah, it's uh, during pro- post production. Producer David Heyman went to visit Richard Harris in the hospital. Though he was very weak from his illness, Harris insisted that the role of Dumbledore not be recast. Sadly, Harris died <laughs> shortly before production was to begin on the next movie, necessitating a recast. And it's like I wonder if he like his dying wish was like just you know don't use the character anymore um wow because i i'm so synonymous with it but yeah it's um it's funny like talking about the <laughs> that's there is there is a dark comedy to that that you're going to see this sweet old man who's really like transformed yeah. the two films you he's made like, and he's just like me. my my last wish don't fucking recast me and you're like that's actually what i'm here to talk to you about. <laughs> yeah. don't do it i don't want you to don't, don't use the character anymore hmm. <laughs> But the uh, and Surya McAllen turned down the role of Dumbledore, saying that he, having appeared as Gandalf in the Lord of the Rings, he said it'd be enough. It's had enough trouble living up to one league legend. Two would be too much to hope for. And he also said that it would be inappropriate to take Richard Harris's role because Richard Harris had once called McAllen a dreadful actor. <laughs> <laughs> I think that that it pisses me off that ian mckellen was in the in running like you can't do that you can't have gandalf play dumbledore i think that would be so distracting mm. if they if they went with that i think that's insane that that was that actually got far enough for him to decline the part yeah that's insane to me yeah but alas yeah then uh michael gambon ended up taking the role yeah. like uh, like un- unambiguously the two most famous wizards in fiction mm. yeah maybe merlin well, harry maybe potter. chuck merlin 
well, okay, old man wizard. Like <laughs> With what big white Pointy hat beards, old yeah. man wizard. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Me and Michael Gambon ended up taking the role for Prisoner of Azkaban, which we'll talk about in just a second. I just have one more piece of dumb OMDB trivia I want to get through. Be a Michael Gambon uh, refused to read the books his whole tenure as Dumbledore. Well, it shows. <laughs> sure. But yeah, he said that uh, every character is just pretty much himself anyway, so he didn't bother to read the books. <laughs> what an uninspiring thing to say mm. when you're taking like such an important role in like an ongoing series. But even just for an, a- for an actor to say, oh, I just play myself anyway. Um, <laughs> so, uh, piece of dumb to be trivia for Chamber of Secrets. A rather stealthy shout-out to Home Alone 2 Lost in New York. The scene where Ron tries to warn Harry about the surrounding spiders mirrors the same scene where Marv tries to warn Harry about the pigeons preparing to attack them. Bonus points for not only having both characters say the name Harry in a similar nervous tone, as well as Mm. both movies being sequels to their respective firsts, and finally, all four movies being directed by Chris Columbus. Very cool. Bonus points. I'm glad they won those bonus points. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, yeah, next one was Harry Potter and the Prisoner of Azkaban, which came in 2004 and was directed by Alfonso mm-hmm. Cuaron, who mm-hmm. you might think is too good for this franchise. What do you think it has on Rotten Tomatoes? Um, I'm going to say 96. Oh, it's just 90. Uh, 96 is the highest of the franchise, though, and that is for Deathly Hallows Part 2. But this is the second highest, I believe. But interestingly, it's, it was the lowest grossing of the franchise. That is really interesting. What yeah. the fuck? Yeah. Um, yeah, it's it um, may it's the only one to make under eight hundred million. That's that's insane. That these didn't just continue chocking up. Yeah. money with each sequel. Uh, what's the, what's Prisoner of Azkaban about? Um, so the Wizarding World is on high alert because. Uh, serial killer or something or other um or traitor to the ministry um Sirius Black has escaped from Azkaban prison and everyone's worried because they believe that he is the one that sold out Harry Potter's parents to Voldemort um and Harry's on high alert as well until he finds out that um Sirius Black well he finds out that he's his godfather but he also finds out that that Sirius Black is actually innocent of the crime of which he's been convicted. And the real person who betrayed James and Lily Potter is Peter Pettigrew, who is um, another one of their friends who has been disguised as an Ron's animagus. rat. He's an animagus. Um, dis- disguised as Ron's rat scabbers for the series up till this point. Um, very made, made to be annoying for people like us who are describing each film and then be like, so there's been this rat this whole time. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. This one is all about, uh, there's a new Defense Against the Dark Arts teacher, uh, Professor Lupin, played by David Thewlis, um, who is also, uh, he's a werewolf, sorry, and mm. uh, uh, Black is a animagus for a wolf, confusingly. Yeah. Is that right? Uh, yeah. a, a black dog. A black dog. Um and Depression. they the, the 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 main conflict is sort of around And also well since you got that far, it's also worth mentioning that they were a group of four friends mm. with James Potter, who was yeah. also an animagus uh for a stag. No, he wasn't and... an animagus. It's his patronus. His patronus. No, he was an animagus. Really? Yeah, so um uh Pettigrew, Potter and black learn to become animaguses right. to sympathize with 
Lupin who couldn't control oh. his transformation because werewolves don't pose a threat to other animals, only to other to humans. And so it was like, hey, we can all do this. Oh God, give um, me a book and about so they, that. They did, <laughs> and so they went, they did it. And so they also, you know, so that's why the the Brother Marauders map um, mm. is pads. Padfoot, yeah. I, I remember that yeah. part. I just thought he Padfoot, was- Padfoot, Mooney, Wormtail, and Prongs. I thought he was yeah. Prongs because it was just his, his um, Patronus, which is, of course, the big thing that the if you if having a house at Hogwarts wasn't enough, what's your fucking Patronus? What's your, <laughs> what's your animal, kids born between 1985 and 2000? <laughs> um, mm-hmm. so, what's yours? Uh, I don't know. Probably a rabbit, I think. I've always had an affinity yeah. for rabbits. What's well, essentially what's your spirit animal, which is not something yeah. Harry Potter would own as it's, you know, as a question. Yeah. Um, but uh, there's time travel in this one. They go back in time to save Bookbeak, who is a hippogriff, not a griffin. <laughs> it's not a griffin, AJ, when you were seven and your brother brought home the book from the library. Um, and <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's a lot of it is mainly about like Harry growing as a wizard and a lot of a lot more maturity is introduced in this one um and yeah i'd say that this is widely regarded as being the best one it's either this one or one of the deathly hallows i think people think is usually the best the uh, yeah i'd say a- anecdotally this and four hmm. right and Goblet of Fire. but uh personally if you're asking me uh this one is so fucking good mm. The, it's the is, best directing in the series for sure it's so good like i think i think this movie's incredible yeah like i, I love this movie oh, no. and i to a slightly lesser extent feel the same way about goblet of fire so i'm actually quite excited to rewatch the last four to see if because mm. like even though i was the one that said can we split this because i don't have enough time as soon as i watched the fourth one i was like i want to watch the fifth one yeah same yeah <laughs> like I, I i got into it and but yeah, this one is just like, oh, David Thewlis, Lupin is just such a great character. Sirius Black is such a great character, mm. like more so in the sequels, but he and, and the and his other appearances. But yeah, just like everything about this film just comes together and Alfonso Cuaron is just like he's he's better than this film. Like, you know, one of one of the best living directors and he it needed that sort of shot. He was the one that got them just not always wearing their robes, mm-hmm. which, you know, would have got them boring if if we just saw them there all the time and yeah it, i think uh under the, the direction of a better director the performances get better mm-hmm. and just yeah this like slightly darker tone while still being somewhat kid friendly it's yeah, uh, yeah it's uh, yeah i just i just think it's an incredible film and the way the time travel i mean the time travel thing gets a lot of flack sometimes but it's the it's a very specific type of time travel where it's like a certain type of paradox where it's like you've always time traveled Mm. so lost you yeah so you you know harry gets hit in the head with something and you come back and i think it's the bootstrap paradox um and you know you go back in time and you throw the thing it's or there's like or there's like a fire paradox or something like that where it's like you go back in time to find out what started a fire and you inadvertently cause the fire Mm trying to find it out and it's like it was always you but yeah yeah, and it's kind of like it's 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 paradoxical but it ends it makes this nice little loop and the way everything but and then everything comes around and then witty fucking like because harry's the dementors uh you know sucking sirius's soul out of them and starting to you know to do the same to harry and but harry is saved by this stag patronus 
and he's watching the scene happen later on and is like no my dad's coming i know it and then it's like harry like your dad's dead he's not coming and then he does yeah, yeah. uh he he d- gets like and he's expecto patronum he's never been able to like conjure a patronus before but like it's such a fucking good moment mm. and like just watching this movie i like watching the first time, i was like oh yeah these actually like don't really hold up and i remember azkaban being my favorite so i wonder if it will hold up and then watching it, i was like fuck yes <laughs> man like it's so good mm. I think um, that the, yeah, the, the stuff with the Patronus and that it's such a, it's probably one of the more iconic, like powerful moments of the series of him yelling yeah. Expecto Patronus. I will say like, if I was Harry Potter, I reckon I would have worked out it was going to be me oh, <laughs> way before he does. Yeah. Yeah. You like, like one of those things that always frustrates me of people taking too long to work things out mm. that like, they're like, oh yeah. then you you realize that you're there to make everything happen that you've already yeah, seen yeah. which hermione should know obviously but <laughs> i like yeah, that um that this is the one that sort of starts building the the budding love the budding romance between ron and hermione um mm. something which jk rowling has since said i don't think they would stay together forever <laughs> just devastating i don't know why you would comment on that but i mean not the worst thing she's done um (laughs) and i the there's a really there's a shot of this that i think is so funny when they watch what they think is buckbeak's execution from afar and you see the executioner swing his axe and you later find out he's just chopping a pumpkin but they think before they've gone back in time that it's um that, that he's killing buckbeak and hermione is in the middle of Harry and Ron watching it happen and she turns and, and Ron like cradles her in his arms and then a second later Harry turns and like does like a third wheel hug toward them and yeah. I find it pretty funny I don't know if it's yeah. supposed to be but it's it's like Harry just hasn't realised yet that um that, that there's something going on there <laughs> yeah there's a moment in the um in the second at the end of the second film where the script called for hermione to hug both of them but emma watson was so embarrassed about the idea of hugging two boys in front of the whole um in the front of the whole cast and crew that she just hugged harry and then talked to the director and got it to be that she goes to hug ron and they just feel awkward and do a handshake Mm. and it ended up being again one of these things that's like sort of teases the the budding romance Mm. that it's like they're they're still working things out so Yeah, that's funny, but it's it's so funny the idea of like, oh my god, I can't hug two boys in front of everyone. <laughs> yeah, what what are some other moments? Yeah, there? just uh, uh, just Lupin is such a great character, yeah. like the 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 ultimate teacher. What I want to ask you though mm. is, what would your would a boggart look like to you? Yeah, good question. So the boggart in in these films is specified as being, you know, no one knows what a boggart really looks like because it'll only ever appear to you as your greatest fear, the thing you fear the most. Yeah. And in a class that's cut short, um, we see what a few characters' greatest fears are. I would, if I was a teacher, <laughs> I would not. That's that's such a wild thing to be like, and it'll it'll appear as your greatest fear, and it's like, well, yeah, some of them are gonna be fucking spiders or or uh, you know professor snape as neville's is but like what are you doing putting harry potter in front of this kid has seen some fucking shit lupin what are you doing (laughs) um but my i don't know my um my boggart would maybe be um falling whatever that would look like conceptually 
And then uh, what if you were to use ridiculous yes. on it? What would it look like? Um, it would turn into flying. Nice. That's not very yeah, funny, cool. though, is it? Or no, or it'd go, or it'd turn into you'd like fall into a trampoline or something. Or yeah, a big bowl of jelly. <laughs> yeah, I think mine would look like a moth, like mm-hmm. just the idea of a giant moth. No, like Mothra or a spider. Oh. <laughs> yeah, it would look like, and then ridiculous, it would just turn into two lava because <laughs> they're fucking stupid. <laughs> um, that's a reference to Godzilla. Richard doesn't specifically think lava as an animal is particularly stupid. I don't think. <laughs> but yeah, there's there's that great the. It's a good moment when he protects Harry from it, and the bog it turns into a full moon. He mm. turns into a balloon. Mm. But yeah, the I think as well that the. the when we first meet Lupin, he's sleeping on the train. Hmm. That it's like we're shown somehow that it, it was like the the way the moon is means it was a full moon the night earlier. So that's why he's so tired because he was right. out oh. werewolfing all night. I never knew that. Um, and then there's there's a bit as well that when the Dementors arrive and they look, uh, they, Harry looks out the the train, hmm. and or I think Ron, it's actually Ron looking out the train, and the the window freezes over, hmm. and. Alfonso Cuaron, who's a Mexican director, um, was talking to... Imagine if that was not relevant to the story. <laughs> Thank <laughs> Just you. Like, so um, he he was t- talking to talking about this scene and he said that he wanted the the the, the rain to turn into ice mm. when he when did it. And so the storyboard artists and, and, and production design team were like, okay, okay. And they drew up storyboards of the rain turning into eyeballs. <laughs> Because they thought he said eyes. Doing it into ice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And then he um, he corrected them. But. Wow. And as well as as well as David Thewlis as Lupin, another I think incredible casting call is uh, bloody Timothy Spall as Peter Pettigrew. Oh, a, so good. A man. First movie I remember seeing Timothy Spall in, and it defined his career for the next probably yeah. fifteen years playing characters who are rat-like. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Because um, he's, he's so good. Such, in that, yeah. He's so good in this, and like he looks like a rat. He looks like a rat, yeah. and he's just so desperate and conniving. And I, I think he's such a a asset for the series going forward. Mm. Um, I really like, I really like Peter Pettigrew. I love the name as well, and I think the talking about like the stuff that i loved about chamber of secrets the the thing i the moment i love in in prisoner of azkaban is so harry gets the this map we've talked about where he can see everyone's name walking around hogwarts and Mm. that's how he knows where they are and he's sneaking about the castle in his invisible cloak and he sees peter pettigrew running along the floor and he knows that he's Mm. dead and he's like well who is it and and you are like i don't know what the hell's going on it's such a great no harry Harry doesn't know that peter pettigrew's dead at that point Oh no, he does. Yeah. He does because he, he says, "I yeah. know him to be dead." Um, yeah, but it's it's just such a great little mystery setup, and the the answer to that mystery is so satisfying to be yeah. like, "Oh, it's because he was a rat, motherfucker!" Like it's because he's yeah. this rat that you've been. He's a literal rat. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, we've also got Gary Oldman as Sirius Black, mm. who is not in this franchise as much as I think I remembered him being, because mm, he's yeah, barely yeah, in Goblet. Um, yeah. Yeah. And but and then he, spoiler dies. In yeah, are we Phoenix, spoiling right? what happens at the end? Like, <laughs> I don't know. because yeah. I was going to mention a spoiler before, and I just subconsciously like was like, no, nah, I won't mention it. And then it doesn't also, matter, does it? <laughs> this um this franchise, I mean, we'll get to it when we get to Half Blood Prince. But like this franchise has our generations. It was Earth all along. Like, 
that the the idea of a spoiler like the or the, or the luke i'm your right no i'm your father that it's like the when you think of a spoiler and the idea if you're trying to explain the concept of a spoiler to someone hmm. there's a three word one you would yeah. use from this franchise which we'll get to when we when we yeah, cover it yeah. i mean the first word of those three words is snape and that is a character mm. we've talked about surprisingly little for that. Like, like he'll he'll get his day in the sun. In but he's terms he's of pretty this. good in this. I think this is the first one mm. where you actually have Harry and Ron and Hermione, like, well, mainly Harry, like acting against him. Like, like Harry, mm. like, what's it called? He like, what's what's that spell? <laughs> Oh, um, Expelliarmus. Expelliarmus is him, I think, at one mm. point. So there's, and like, I always re- was really interested in Snape as a character because of like, I mean, he, we will talk about him, I guess, because he gets yeah, because he gets far more integral moment. and yeah. So Snape knows that Sirius knows of a secret entrance from the shriek, but a uh, secret passageway between Hogwarts and the Shrieking Shack. Does and it? he doesn't think to close that at any point when they're locking down Hogwarts. <laughs> There's a lot of shit like that in the series, yeah. dude. And I'm going to be talking all about it in Goblet of Fire, I think. Yeah, we're two hours in and we've still got AJ's big Goblet of Fire rant <laughs> um, to go. It's not going to be any bigger than any of my other rants on the episode. It's not going to be any bigger than your fucking pub quiz story, Richard. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, at least mine's relevant. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I like that Voldemort's not in this one. I like that we have this like yeah. reprieve from the ongoing storyline. I think mm. that's really cool. Oh, Peter O'Toole was also um, Richard Harris's family. I said Peter O'Toole should play oh, yeah. uh, Dumbledore. Yeah, what do you think of Michael? Have we talked about Michael Gambon as like his actual? <sighs> well, I guess again that'll come up more in Goblet of Fire. <laughs> yeah, right. We have the famous <laughs> Harry. Did you put your name? Did you put it um yeah i mean he's he's all right in this i don't have any any real problems with him but yeah i don't know yeah i th- I think one thing that 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 the movies stopped doing here's the nicest thing i can say about the christopher columbus the chris columbus movies mm-hmm. is that they um well, they had richard harrison them. <laughs> they had richard harrison them no they are the only ones that feel like a school year sure the 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 remaining films feel like they are about something that doesn't necessarily take a year whereas the first two feel like they are specifically framed by the year setup which is very important in the books um i thought it was really interesting watching this how like the discovering the truth about sirius black to the end of the film is an unbroken probably like a day you know we're like mm. so probably half the film it takes place on it on one single day and mm. um in the film so, one night yeah one night when, when and the moon was full that night uh, and they, they go back in time as well so yeah true it's also interesting that the the climax of chamber of secrets like hermione's written out of it and the climax of Azkaban, Ron's written out oh, of it. true, yeah, yeah. I think they're both written, I mean, they're kind of both written out of the climax of Philosopher's Stone and and Goblet of Fire. <laughs> they, like, proceedingly get their, like, it, it, it works better in the book because there's another trial, so it's like mm. they each get to have mm. their moment. But, yeah, there's a couple of pieces of dumb IMDb trivia. One just, like, fun piece of behind-the-scenes trivia. So when Alfonso Cuaron uh, took the role on, as director, he asked, wanted to see sort of how well these people understood this. their characters. I thought about this all the way through watching the movie. That, so he got them to, uh, the, the main trio, to write essays about their characters. And Emma Watson wrote a 16-page long essay 
Daniel Radcliffe wrote a one-page essay and Rupert Grant never turned his in. <laughs> yeah. Because Ron would And it's just like, that. that's so, yeah, understanding your Oh, to be Rupert to Grant that. to, like, get the easiest role of, in, like, yeah. the easiest character Bloody of, brilliant. of the whole cast, not just the main mm. three, and the biggest franchise, one of the biggest franchises ever made. And then, what's he done since? <laughs> not a lot. He's just rides around in his ice cream truck. <laughs> He's in Snatch. Oh, There's yes. like a, yeah, a yeah. The new TV show, yeah. yeah. But he, he also, um, uh, Thunderpants came out between the first and second movie. Yeah, I remember that. That's insane. Hey, Thunderpants with Grint. 67% on Rotten Tomatoes. Rupert, that's not that much less than the first Harry Potter movie. It's insane. I yeah. wonder if him being in that boosted that boosted Thunderpants. I, Thunderpants, can someone suggest that for generic movie podcast? Because yeah. that feels like, I've never seen it, but that feels like a distinct uh, type of generic yeah. movie podcast movie. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, apparently it's quite good. <laughs> well, better than how to... it looks, I think is more what 67 uh, yeah. <laughs> demonstrates. <laughs> yeah. So you dumb on DB trivia. Um, the, this movie has the highest number of real animal species in the franchise, including but not limited to a rat, a cat, a bat, a dog, a highland cow, an owl, a crow, to name the most obvious. The, the d- dog is a bit of a cheat, I think. <laughs> Why? That, because it's an animated dog. It's a. It's a. It's a. Oh right. right. <laughs> do you like the um? Oh sorry, you you could go. No, do do I like the? Uh, do you like the like the? I always I think this may be the best um Dursley scene of the series. Oh, with Petunia, yeah. Yeah, well, no, with, with Aunt Marge. No, sorry, sorry, Aunt Marge, yeah, yeah. I think that's quite iconic, and I think the um the night bus is a very fun scene mm. as well. Yeah, um, absolutely. Timothy Spall plays a man who could transform into a rat. Spall provided the voice for the rat Nick in Chicken Run. <laughs> this is exactly what I'm talking about. Is that wait? Is he one of the rats in Chicken Run? I love those yeah. characters. I never knew that was <laughs> Timothy Spall. If anyone's still keeping up with Timothy Spall, he's like lost a lot of weight and he yeah. stars in like two New Zealand films a year or so now. Like he's been, <laughs> he's been in like multiple Kiwi films in the last like five or six years. Mm. Do you want me to tell you who voices the other rat? Yeah. <laughs> Phil Daniels. Okay. Imagine if it was, okay, I don't know who that is. Imagine if it was the guy who plays Quirrell or someone. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Are you excited for Chicken Run Dawn of the Nugget? <laughs> yeah, dude. What's, so is it dead. Zachary Levy is replacing Mel Gibson as Rocky? Ah, uh, yeah. And uh, uh, Tandaway Newton replacing Ginger. Uh, who ever played Ginger? <laughs> yeah. And she's replacing Ginger the character. It's just a yeah. plasticine version of Tanaway Newton. <laughs> uh, David Bradley's going to be in it as well, who's Filch. I love Filch. He's in, um, he's in Game of Thrones, where he essentially plays Filch, but in Game of mm. Thrones. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, Ramesh Raganathan and uh, Daniel Mays. Or they, like, all the, the main cast. Oh, Nick and Fletcher uh, recast. It's not Timothy Sports It's Ramesh Raganathan now. <laughs> Damn. <laughs> <laughs> Random. Yes. Yeah, so, uh, what do you reckon now playing podcast gave this film? <laughs> is this going to be a mainstay on Dumb IMDb <laughs> I reckon they gave it. How, what are they, What's their rating system again? Uh, recommend or not recommend. I reckon they them. recommended it. So, three recommends? Yeah. That's right. So, Harry Potter and the Goblet of Fire 2005. I remember when the book came out, I thought it was the biggest fucking book I'd ever seen. <laughs> <laughs> You could kill someone with that thing. <laughs> How did you feel when you first saw the book? Um, yeah, it's pretty. I think I think 
I thought it was like as big as the Bible, a book I was I'd seen a lot of at that point in my life. Yeah. Um, but then when Order of the Phoenix came out, it was like books shouldn't be this big. <laughs> like yeah. when when the length of a story outweighs how how like practically big a book should be. <laughs> mm. But yeah, no, you're right. This one is how big. how where where is this in the is this the longest one? The no, second longest one. Uh, Order of the Phoenix is the longest one. And then um, Half-Blood Prince is quite short, I think. Well, comparatively yeah. to the... Oh, yeah. So it's... Uh, Order of the Phoenix is 870 pages. Goblet of Fire is 734. Half-Blood Prince is 652. And Death of Hell is 759. So it's... Th- Goblet of Fire is third longest. Mm, right. Uh, Harry Potter the prequel is four pages long. <laughs> What's that? I don't know. Okay. It's just like, yeah, you just got fucking Avada Kedavra and his mum stopped it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's an unofficial. It's called James and Sirius prequel. Just okay? like so casually talking about like massive plot machinations in the story. <laughs> oh, you just got Avada Kedavra and his mum fucking stopped it. Like, power true love. It's a boy who fucking lived or some shit. J.K. <laughs> <laughs> So uh, J.K. Rowling wrote 800 word prequel story, uh, which was handwritten at a charity for a charity event and auctioned off. Um, it was published online, and so it's set three years before the birth of Harry Potter and recounts an adventure held by Sirius Black and James Potter. She said, "Although I did feel like a bit of a relapsing addict as I sat down to write, the words poured from my pen with frightening ease. I am not working on a prequel. Indeed, I've written that clearly at the bottom of the card itself. I just thought this was the best way to make money for two extremely worthwhile charities." Nice. Hmm. What a good person. <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh, it's it's almost ten thirty. We get we're getting the sillies. No, we can't. We're still going to talk about old Gobby F. <laughs> <laughs> the gobby of F. <laughs> mm. Someone, you know how we, when um, mature women get their hair done, it's called a blowout? No. Yeah, well, it is. But also, I'm laughing because um, I didn't know that and also because where the hell is this going? <laughs> Someone today commented, uh, one of the senior people in our newsroom on their blowy, unironically, and no one giggled. <laughs> wow. <laughs> You're, of course, bringing up blowies because potentially only in New Zealand a gobby is a colloquial term from, like, 2011 for a blowjob. No, I think I think it's not only in New Zealand. Okay, weigh in, Americans. <laughs> They're like, we, we call it a sorcerer. If someone says... If <laughs> someone says <laughs> we like our philosophers, sorcerers, and our gobbies to be played by Willem Dafoe. <laughs> <laughs> That's what makes me think that they don't know what it means because they, <laughs> they put it in fucking Spider Man. Spider Man. <laughs> mm. But there's also that Spider Man cartoon where she says like, "I oh, get your white stuff. Don't get your white stuff all over me." Can we like, talk oh, about Goblet of Fire, please? <laughs> you shouldn't have said Gobby. <laughs> I'm sorry. It's my fault. Ah, you'll be dancing for hours. <laughs> <laughs> What's it about? <laughs> Why, what, can you <laughs> it's tell directed me? by it's directed by Mike Newell. Who's that? What else has he done? I've looked this up so many times. Well, it's just, in my it's life. just so weird to do like Chris Columbus, Alfonso Cuaron, and then just some guy. <laughs> like I don't know who this guy is. Yeah, Mike Newell was looked at for the first one. Um, oh, four weddings and a funeral, <laughs> and oh. um, 
Oh, he yeah, and uh, Donnie Brasco. But I've I've looked this up so many We're times. By the oh, same yes, guy? I have looked it up. Yeah. Donnie Brasco in Four Weddings and a Funeral, and Harry Potter oh, yeah. and the Goblet of Fire by the same guy. And his most recent one was the Guernsey Literary and Potato Peel Society. He also did Prince of Persia: The Sands of Time. <laughs> what a crazy career! What a yeah. crazy career! Holy shit! But yeah, and then David Yates was an even more insane choice. Mm. But we'll get to him later on yeah we'll get to him but his, his career is so stupid so if prisoner of azkaban had 90 percent on ron tomatoes i would guess this mm. would be, exist somewhere in between the first two and the third so let's go like 85 88 uh, yeah yep. very good what's it about uh so there's sort of two plots happening at the same time one of which i think is very good and one of which i think is very stupid um so (laughs) so the 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 title goblet of fire comes from the fact that hogwarts is is essentially hosting the wizard olympics which is called the the tri-wizard tournament where I don't know what the time frame is, how how often it happens, but like Hogwarts is now housing some students from two other schools. Um, one is the the masculine boys school, Boy Baxton's and one and, uh, Durhamstrang are the two schools. Mm, yeah, and one is the the pretty lady school. Um, one is Bulgarian. but you know, both schools are actually co-ed. Hmm. That's weird. That that's mm. not how it looks. It's made book. clear in the book, apparently. Hmm. Um, and there, so you throw your name in the goblet of fire and it picks one champion from each school and they compete in these three trials to win the Tri-Wizard Cup. Um, and the Durmstrang, uh, selected selection is, uh, fucking what's his name? Victor Crum. Victor Crum, who's the Quidditch world champion. Um, then the, yeah. uh, the one from. Who's a seeker as well. Yeah. Um, and then the winner from um, do what's it called? Bo Baxton's. Bo Baxton's is um, oh Bo Bo Batons. Sorry, Bo Bat- Bo, Bat- Bo Baxton's. <laughs> There's an X. There is, is an X in it. I know. Bo has an um, E with an X. Yeah. <laughs> is Fleur, Fleur Delacour, and then Cedric Diggory, played by Twilight's own Robert Pattinson in his first major He's role. Also a seeker. He is the Hogwarts selection, and he's a Hufflepuff, probably the most significant Hufflepuff in the series. Mm. Um, Cedric Diggory, and what happens to him? (laughs) He fucking dies. Because he's a pussy. Because he's a pussy. character trait. Yeah. Um, but surprise, surprise, Harry's name also comes out. And because there's a contract I will talk about later, it means he also has to compete despite being underage. So the, the, the three challenges are you have to steal a golden egg from a dragon. You have to save someone you like from the bottom of the, the black lake. And then lastly, you have to go through a maze to find the cup. Um but they find the cup and Harry and Cedric grab it at the same time in a show of good faith. And it takes them to a graveyard where it turns it's out a port key. it's a port key. It takes them to a graveyard where, where uh, Peter Pettigrew holds um, a infant fetus of uh, <laughs> Voldemort um, who looks like the, I remember when they first invented chocolate <laughs> from SpongeBob. Um, and uh, they kill Cedric and they use Harry's blood to make Voldemort rise again from the dead and this this is the culmination of this whole plot that's been going on since the start that basically the the rise of 
wizard Nazis is happening again, and it's all been culminating towards this. Just like in real life. Yeah, yeah. Um, and they get back to, to Hogwarts, and um, they discover that Mad-Eye Mooney, Moody, sorry, Mad-Eye yeah. Moody, played by Brendan Gleeson, the new Defense Against the Dark Arts teacher, was actually Barty Crouch Jr., a Death Eater, which is what the Nazis are called, the followers of Voldemort. Um, it was actually Barty, Barty Crouch Jr. Or Barty Crouch Jr. or Death Eaters? Death Eaters. Um, and, uh, yeah, it's all been this big plan to <laughs> entrap Harry Potter so that they can bring back Voldemort. And he should... They, with his blood. With his blood, and he nearly kills Voldemort, but something about how powerful Harry is means he can't kill him and he also talks to the ghosts of his parents because the um when he duels Voldemort I think this is talked about in the book but not really in the movie the the souls of the last four people that Voldemort killed come out of his wand and that includes Harry's parents Cedric Diggory and some old guy <laughs> now Mm. I know you have a big issue with the idea of the Triwizard Tournament. Mm. Would it would it help if... So you mentioned yeah. that the, uh, being underage and stuff like that. So the last Triwizard Tournament was held in 1792. And what it, the fuck? <laughs> so the Triwizard Tournament used to be a regular thing and um, maybe even annual, I'm not sure. But it was discontinued because of how dangerous it was and the death toll of it. It was mm. then revived in 1994 with the restriction that you had to be over 17 to try and stop as many deaths occurring. And that's when Goblet of Fire is set. Yeah, so that's when Goblet of Fire takes place. Isn't that... We haven't talked about that. The, like, how, like, Harry Potter as a series completely hides that it's set in the 90s. Like, it's never mentioned. It's mm. never... Yeah. Yeah. So that was interesting. But yeah, it is like, because I know you're the thing. So it's not like an annual thing. No, I knew that. that. This happens every year. It's like, yeah. yeah. No, look, so, I'm, yeah, I feel conflicted about this because I think that all of the stuff about Voldemort, the ongoing story, I think is incredible in Goblet of Fire and Order of the Phoenix. I think, I think Harry Potter's like ongoing storyline is the best in those two stories um but i said that chamber of secrets is like my favorite standalone plot of the series goblet of fire is like easily my least favorite plot of the series i just think it is ridiculous no matter what how many like i think it's ridiculous no matter (laughs) how many like caveats people give it to explain it i think it is insane and frankly um character assassination of dumbledore like to Mm. at a time like forget it even if we don't talk about the fact that it's a contest where students are only allowed to compete for some reason and they fucking die and even when they bring it back one of them fucking dies it would be pretty bad if they're up against teachers what i don't know what don't put late students do it i guess is what i'm saying (laughs) um but but the fact that they know that someone is trying to kill Harry Potter and then all of the suspicious stuff happens around, like someone put his name in the Goblet of Fire and even though he's underage, he still has to do it. And I don't, I can't get past this bit. They're like, 
we Professor McGonagall, Maggie Smith's character, speaks the only sense in the movie where she's like, he's just a boy. He's like, we're already on high alert. We had Dementors yeah. last year. We know that uh, that the Death Eaters want to kill this kid. We cannot put him in the in the Triwizard Tournament, <laughs> especially after the like strange goings on that even got him nominated in the first place. Mm. And then Snape's all like, and there's a fourth person. Yeah, there's not even supposed to be a fourth wizard it's called a tri-wizard yeah tournament. yeah and and so like all of these suspicious things happen but dumbledore is like nah we have to do it and barty crouch senior is like it is a magical contract we can't do-. and it's like what does that fucking mean what is a magical contract with whom with whom don't let him compete <laughs> no don't let him compete <laughs> Don't let him compete. It's so stupid. <laughs> Why would you let him compete? This is such a bad like, like the the I, when I think of Dumbledore, I think of him as like a Santa Claus kind of like all loving mm. character. But this speaks to like where the hell are his his priorities? And it would be all good if like he had some kind of like plan that would work in Harry's favour. But what fucking happens at the end? Satan comes back, a kid dies, Harry nearly dies. Like it doesn't work. It doesn't work out for anyone. It just works to make the story worse, all because of an underexplained thing in the plot that like it's a magical contract, sorry, you have to do it. It's so insane to me. I think it's so insane. And also, all of them, except maybe the first dragon one, terrible spectator sports. You've got one, the (laughs) dragon one, there's a stadium, but also like, how are the the onlookers going to be protected? from the dragons and yeah, and even the then they they yeah, magical contracts they fly out of the stadium so they don't even see what happens and mm. uh, the second well, it's, one it's implied that the other ones don't like it's only because harry uh, conjures yeah. his, his, um, his wand his broomstick yeah broom yeah um but you're allowed a wand <laughs> and then there yeah and then he um the second one is takes place under the Black Lake where no one, everyone's just staring at the water, I guess, for the whole mm. thing. Um, and then the third one's in a maze and no one sees what happens. Like, it's so stupid. <laughs> I think it's so stupid. Yeah. And my other kind of big problem with the story is I have a problem with the fact that Brendan Gleeson is so good as Mad-Eye Moody. And then at the end of the mm. film, you find out it wasn't even him. It was Barty Crouch Jr. Mm. drinking polyjuice potion. And Ma- the real Mad-Eye Moody is at a bottom of a pit and then is in the series going forward. Like, he comes back. and yeah. But that one isn't the one... Like, he never gets more play than he does in goblet of fire but that's not even him and i think it's so interesting that they chose to go with polyjuice potion where when there's a scene at the start of this where fake moody is teaching them about the three forbidden curses and one of them is a curse that essentially allows you to control someone's bidding it's like mind control yeah mind control um and sort of a combination of mind control and like telekinesis because he's doing it on a little yeah crab thing i just think that's yeah. what it should be it should be the real moody and he's got the what's it called the um among uh, among crucio? us um, among us curse no the crucio is um <laughs> is uh torture imperious imperious curse he's got the imperious curse on him like it should be barty, barty crouch jr is controlling moody from afar so that you can still have these moments of genuine bonding were actually moody he was just unknowingly also cursed 
Mm. Like, it's so crazy that the whole character's just not supposed to be him. Yeah, because also it's not like, oh, I've established the rules of, like, Imperius is introduced in this one. So it's not like, because you could say that, you know, oh, you have to be pointing the wand at the victim, so that's why it couldn't have been that. But this is also the one where she invents that. Yeah, it's it's made up. You can do whatever you want. (laughs) It's literally magic. You can literally say a wizard did it to any plot holes. (laughs) Yeah. If she'd established Imperius in an earlier one, you could understand why. But it's like, yeah. Well, she did did establish Polyjuice Potion. And going forward, like even in the Fantastic Beast movie, the reveal that someone was someone else, you just, it's so Rowlian. It's so it's mm. so typical of the series and it's used for plot twists way too many times, I think. It's so it's so um yeah, wait, Rowley is <laughs> yeah, like Rowleyan. <laughs> it's like that it's, second Rowley like franchise. Rowley from Diary Diary would be good, yeah. <laughs> but the the interesting thing about the polyjuice potion, the way we've shown it works, apologies potion also you you drink it and you have like some DNA from a person and you transform into them, which mm. introduces a whole plethora of problems in the wizarding world. <laughs> like God, I like if you were to investigate like the the culture around like mm. sexual harassment at Hogwarts, <laughs> it's it would be horrible, I'm sure. Yeah, yeah. But the It's the nineties and <laughs> we didn't investigate. <laughs> so he's the nineties baby. But you have um well, they literally brew it in the girls' bathrooms, so yeah, like... <laughs> yeah, yeah. so the, the way we're showing Apologies Potion works in um, Chamber of Secrets when Ron and Harry become Crab and Goyle, who are Malfoy's followers, they still have their voices. They're yeah, being yeah. dubbed over by... And so it's like, it, it not only... It's also the biggest roles for Crab and Goyle in the series, yeah. and they actually have no speaking lines in Chamber of Secrets because they're all dubbed <laughs> over. But it means that Barty Crouch Jr. can do a real good Mad-Eye Moody. Yeah. I mean, how hard is it? <laughs> just a gruff, gruff voice! <laughs> yeah, I just... Yeah. I, I think that's so that's so silly. And all of this, I think... what What frustrates me about Goblet of Fire is that all of this can be undone all of my problems could be undone by like rewrites that keep what's good mm. like the, th- lines, yeah. the three the three tournaments can still like the games can work out another way in which harry has to fight a dragon or go down you know what i mean it doesn't have to be this bullshit olympics that the worst time in the wizarding world history to bring them back <laughs> like it's so weird yeah. it's so weird yeah, the, but the fact wrote, that it's like oh let's lighten the mood after our whole dementor thing last yeah, year. yeah. <laughs> Just I wrote this horrific thing where people die. <laughs> this thing you had to stop because people died. <laughs> I wrote on my letterbox review for this movie that it's the CTR of Harry Potter. And what I meant by that is like the crash team racing, but also like when like a platformer or like an otherwise serious, relatively serious platformer game or something, they suddenly do like a racing, a kart racer entry, but they still try to like inject important plot into, but Mm. it's like fast and furious. Like all of these like world ending plots they're trying to stop have to revolve around cars because that's what the series, driving fast. yeah, Yeah, that's what the series was initially. Um, and it's the same thing where it's like, clearly you, like, J.K. Rowling just really liked the idea of a tournament. And I get it. It is fun. I just don't think this is the appropriate place in the series to do it. If mm. if there is an appropriate place. Like, it's just so bananas to me. Maybe save that for a Robert Galbraith novel. <laughs> I don't know. 
She's not very, she's not very good at her games because, as I said before, Quidditch is maybe the worst device. Quidditch is three <laughs> games that you play at the same time. <laughs> it's so stupid. Yeah, but a friend of the podcast, Carlisle, is actually like on a Quidditch team. It's it's been made into a real sport, and he plays it. But he told us that they're trying to change the name because it's been removed so far from what the harry potter well it's also it's a couple of things it can never go professional because it's got a copyrighted oh, name yeah. and then he said like most of the team is uh, uh, like trans or non-binary <laughs> and so there's obviously a lot of wow. that but it's interesting because it's like I, I it's been this haven for people that uh love sport but you know haven't it didn't feel like they fit mm. in with especially you know where a lot of team sports are divided into um, boys and girls mm that you know they've now got this sort of haven for mm. for that and then it ends up being tied forever tied to this yeah. thing but you know goblet of fire the, the for me i gave prisoner of azkaban five stars because i love giving things five stars i gave goblet of fire four and a half and the one thing that brought it down is one of those things that i forget every time i watch it is that there's this whole thing at the start for the first like half hour 45 minutes that ron's just real bad at harry yeah. and then it just goes away yeah and it's just so annoying yeah and the, you have the like, oh, can you tell Ron to tell me that this and like, it's so stupid. Mm. But um, and then he just sort of gets over it because he's like, oh yeah, you almost fucking died. Like doing this, you probably doing this extracurricular school activity that you were forced to do by the teachers, the like people you mm. trust most in your life. He's better off with the Dursleys. They're not going to make him do anything <laughs> like death defying. <laughs> yeah, you know? yeah. yeah, they're just. Dicks. I just think it's so silly. It's so silly, and it's frustrating because of how much I live love i need to see the like and went for love instead i love everything nice. else in the story it's that the voldemort stuff is so like it's like dripping with darkness it's so fucking scary like, i can touch you now yeah <laughs> yeah it's so scary it is it's it's scary and it's dark and it's and it's creepy and it it brings such wonderful stakes to the series going forward but it's the it's the at the end of the it's a really silly setup, I think, and it just uh, yeah. it's where it's an example of where someone has a cool idea, but they can't organically fit it into the story. I think. Mm, yeah, any sure. new characters we want to talk about? Or any new cast or anything like that? Yeah, no, we've got Brendan Gleeson who fucking love Ray Fiennes as the, Voldemort. Oh, pretty big deal. Yeah, Ray Fiennes finally comes in as Voldemort, but has a little bit to do here, but. I want to I want to raise a question with you that I I raised while watching this, and now that you've rewatched the film, I'm keen to get your opinion on. Mm-hmm. Did Hermione lose her virginity to Victor Crumb? <laughs> Why do we have to talk about this? <laughs> so Victor Crumb has to be at least seventeen. He's probably eighteen, I would guess. And Hermione's fourteen in this movie, mm-hmm. and Victor Crumb takes her to the the Yule Ball, mm-hmm. which is a big thing in this, and then she's the person that like the, the you know because it has to be like a treasured loved one you know it's like bring find the thing that you love that you've lost mm. and it's for, it's the second for victor challenge crumb when they for the second challenge at the bottom of the black lake for victor crumb it's hermione which you know some some girl you just randomly asked to the yule ball probably isn't going to get stuck at the bottom of the lake um for that and so and she describes their relationship as being more physical than and so I'm like, they totally banged. I I I googled this and I I to get different opinions on it because and you know that like on um fuck what Quora 
or whatever mm-hmm. it's called that the like the answers thing that when you google one answer it emails you for fucking forever about <laughs> it um but it go it's like and there's a few people that are like yeah no uh, like they absolutely did they were clearly together for quite a while and, and developed quite a deep relationship and she does refer to it as physical and then other people are like no she was 14 how she, how could she have and it's like teenagers fuck like <laughs> yeah, yeah I, i'm sorry like yeah whether or not it's the law like <laughs> people get horny i think i think the main thing that would stop me from thinking she would that she's that she lost her virginity to is that she's saving herself for ron no, is, uh, i not saving herself for ron but i would feel i feel like she's portrayed as quite a sensible character it seems like a quite a wild streak of a thing to do but maybe that's part of the sexuality of it i guess like <laughs> i think i think the better question is um did Ginny give neville longbottom a handy behind the like the bike sheds <laughs> behind, the, behind the broom sheds after the, the yule sheds, ball yeah. because he he's shown to be on like he takes Ginny to the um yule ball and then uh he comes back to gryffindor commons late and he's like, oh, me, I'm the one coming in late, which, you know, implies that something else happened there. Then you got a hand job. And then Ginny comes in with a real sore wrist. <laughs> yeah, the sore wrist theory. <laughs> which is, of course, interesting because Ginny ends up with Harry as well. So but weird. in this movie, he is into someone named Cho Chang. And even when I was like, uh, when would I, how old would I have been when this movie came out? Like, 13 12 12 13 even then i was like it's a bit of a racist name to give the one asian mm. character in your like whole story and also like and because i remember when when she was cast there were there were people that were outcry that an asian woman would, would be cast in this role because i think a lot of people saw themselves a lot of young girls saw themselves uh. in that role and it's like you could have like th- this character could have been called china asia like you couldn't have had a more on the nose name than cho chang yeah. which just yeah. to clarify we're criticizing jk rowling JK for Rowling's not, not- writing yeah there's a few things like that in the um because like- what's the what's the one black um hogwarts student's name i'm not sure but i know that um that the, it, it all just feels like a symptom of like what she would be known as between the book's ending and the turf stuff was like someone who would like put real half-assed like uh plot uh retcons into, into a story kingsley shacklebolt <laughs> is the, the black student and like like i remember like someone asked her on twitter like are, are there any <laughs> are there any jewish wizards and she mm. replies with like someone or other goldstein and it's like jesus christ woman like put some fucking tact into mm. what you're doing yeah and and then when hermione was cast as yeah. a black woman in the harry potter and the cursed child stage play she was like hey look hermione i never said she wasn't black and it's like first of all you actually described her as pale-faced in in one of them in one of the books and also like it's the whole dumbledore is gay thing it's like put your fucking money where your fucking mouth is and actually provide representation and realistic representation instead of after the thing comes out trying to get points for saying that all of these things could have been more diverse than they actually were yeah harry potter and the credit i want for diversity i couldn't be bothered writing (laughs) yeah exactly again and i i remember like years ago saying that i thought jk rowling was the next george lucas that's just like constantly adding to Mm. her universe when no one's asking her to Mm. 
Um, Constantly still then, talking when no one's asking her to as well. Yeah. yeah. And throwing away all that goodwill. Although, like, do you reckon... How mainstream do you think is the the revolt of J.K. Rowling? Because, like, I'm... I like to think my like TikTok for you page as an example of like a mm. metric. I like to think it's yeah. pretty well cultivated to like my interests and what I want to talk about. I still yeah. get like Harry Potter stuff popping up, even though until we got the we got Harry Potter for the podcast, I was actually actively trying to remove any mm-hmm. Harry Potter stuff from my life. Not that there was a lot of it, but I was like unfollowing pages because I was like, I actually just don't want to be a part of harry potter at all anymore after yeah. jk rowling now i'm sure the algorithm's going to be picking up that i fucking watched all the movies for some reason and it's gonna be like oh give them more give them more um but like it, and because like even a place like tiktok which in some ways i would call progressive in other ways particularly with certain recent court cases i would say is fucking stupid Not and blind to to any yeah. kind of real social problems um yeah. like you talk about the oj simpson case. yeah the oj simpson case from 30 years ago is what i'm talking about <laughs> um no like like that stuff like like i would think that tiktok would be the the front line of and also because it's very Gen yeah, Z the, yeah exactly and, and the front line of rejecting harry potter and yet it's still there and like like i i think i saw a tiktok of someone saying like is anybody else like if someone's into harry potter now is that like a red flag for you it's an ick yeah yeah, yeah. they call them icks now they, not yeah well flags. no there is a difference if if you want to get, get into this <laughs> i think x x <laughs> are often less rational is is the thing I've yeah, heard. Yeah, 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 yeah. if you go up to the because like the picture of like a harry potter obsessed person you know mm. we we were like two life paths away from being one of these people probably in our own lives because mm. it was so prevalent for our generation like i wonder what percentage of them and i'm not talking about boycotting because i think that's probably a bit too much yeah. to expect but how many of them don't know and how many of them don't care well i've often used my friend kate as a straw man for these kind of things <laughs> okay. Normie, normie Kate. <laughs> <laughs> lovely girl. Like, lovely oh, I lo- normies are great people most of the time. I'm I'm the bastard. Yeah. I like you're the normal yeah, yeah, one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. God, I I, I how I how envy I envy Kate, the normies. But, <laughs> <laughs> but it's I, I think and and like because there's there's other people at my work like this as well and and I've also sort of described like the type of person who Joker was their favorite movie of 2019. Like, there's two different types of people who Joker mm. was their favorite movie. One who's like the gamers rise up kind of person, and the other one's just like probably didn't really watch that many good movies that year, and that was the only kind of like Oscar caliber mm. movie they watched, um, because it was the 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 big one, you know, grossed over a billion dollars. But well, it was the it was the crossover between Oscar and yeah. superhero blockbuster. Yeah. But the, the like that that sort of kind of person who consumes uh, like consumes a lot of media but doesn't really think about it i think that's probably a good way Mm. to to describe it these people that you know consider themselves film buffs tv buffs but don't actually really look much deeper don't bother having a seven season podcast about it (laughs) i think those kind of people i think from just anecdotally from conversations i've had with these kind of people (laughs) these kind of people um that conversation like i had with people at work and things like that it's like I think there is a movement to uh, to move away from Harry Potter and especially like people that grew up with it. And I think it's maybe in the same sort of way that you saw with Twilight a little bit, but now Twilight's kind of come back around where it's people are saying like, I've grown out of that. There'll always be a place in, uh, for it in my heart. But 
oh yeah i don't i don't think about or i don't i don't like harry potter as much as i used to and i think that's like a it, it almost seems like a universal like a global movement which would have been sparked from this turning on jk rowling but it's like yeah it's less stuff as people probably popping up in people's feeds or there's more critical kind of stuff is popping up and yeah so i think even people that maybe aren't don't know all the turf stuff or don't fully understand it are probably still seeing a little bit of this like move away from mm. it but because i yeah. would say like the you know i don't know the percentage of um sort of actively transphobic people in my in our generation because i feel like it would yeah. be i would like to think it's not too too many um but also i also feel like that type of person who is transphobic wouldn't have been into harry potter anyway like it's it's Mm. funny that um talking at the start of the show about how how christian parents the world over like you know tried to lead some kind of like uprising against these books Mm. and it's like they are now the the people that are sharing the beliefs of jk rowling it's the legalist gimli never thought i'd die fighting side by side with a friend Mm. meme but it's it's like the yeah like the the christian mums in the 90s and early 2000s are now the the the, like that's who jk rowling is now you know Mm. i find it weird how similar she is to the like catty woman character characters in her in her Harry Potter stories, like Rita Skeeter, Rita Skeeter. she's she, she, she's so Rita Skeeter like, you know. She she considers Rita Skeeter to be her like author insert. Really, yeah. that's hilarious. Yeah. I think Petunia mm. Dursley is a more accurate author insert, mm-hmm. or Umbridge, Umbridge. <laughs> yeah, yeah. For the first film, she was offered to play the part of Harry's mum. Oh, yuck. But then she said she's not an actress and she just mess it up somehow. Oh, I do. Because one thing that people mention is like the Harry not having the green eyes of his mum, which is like a huge thing <laughs> in the in the books. Mm. But there's there's a thing from the first film that um, they tried to go the extra mile. And so they gave, um, Danny Radcliffe gave him these green colored contact lenses and they gave Emma Watson like fake buck teeth. And... Then they scrapped it because uh, Radcliffe's eyes reacted strongly to the contacts and Watson couldn't talk clearly with the fake teeth in her mouth. And just the idea of being like day one on set, they're like, all right, pop, pop in your prosthetics, put in your eye contacts. And then they're like, all right, and action. And Derek was like, I can't fucking see any Watson's. I can't fucking talk. <laughs> and Ron continuing to have the easiest gig in film history. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I already had red yeah, hair. Um- fine because there's a story about the the twins that play fred and george that no one believed that they got cast in the film until they showed up to school one day with dyed red hair because they're like well that's the only reason you would do that (laughs) that's hilarious um and then someone asked there's the interview where someone's like are you guys twins in real life and they're like no we met at the audition (laughs) (laughs) they're great yeah so that's that's the first four harry potter films there's um there's oh there's one piece of dumb IMDb trivia for Goblet of Fire. Moaning Myrtle mentions seeing Polyjuice Potion, and Professor Snape later accuses Harry of stealing the ingredients of Polyjuice Potion from his store. None of our heroes make use of Polyjuice Potion in this movie, but Barty Crouch Jr. does. And cool. it's like explaining the story. Just it's just telling <laughs> yeah. you what happens. Moaning Myrtle would be an interesting thing to talk about for a bit because this film has like got a lot of flack, I think, for how she's very clearly trying to 
a <laughs> yeah, she's trying to perv on a naked Harry Potter. But I would say the big like fourteen year old. Yeah, the weirder part is that the this this prefix bathroom that he goes into to to hear the egg for for the second challenge. You just t- it's just this wide open fucking pool with like how much yeah. water's being wasted. You know what I'd do if I was yeah. like, how long would it take to fill up that fucking bathtub? <laughs> yeah. Well presumably it's it's just eternally there, like a swimming pool. But then like it doesn't look like he's like sequestered off into a private area where you could get naked. Mm. Secondly, I just if I was Harry Potter, I'd leaving my fucking trunks on. And it's like like the prop, the, all the conflict in that scene comes from moaning Myrtle might see my fucking dick. <laughs> it's like just wear trunks and you're fine. No. <laughs> yeah, that's um. Yeah, it's a good movie. Anyway, so that's we're kind of uh now at a you know, we don't really have any segments to do. We're not ready to rank that franchise yet. We're not ready to continue that franchise yet. We're not even ready to franchise debt roulette yet. We are ready to do a certain meeting though, Richard, if you'd like. A mm. meeting of the elders. Um, is that what you were segueing into? It was. <laughs> well, there we go. So so um, this is a segment over on our Discord, but it's through our Patreon. So if you sign up to the Cult Elders tier on Patreon, you will get given a link to a secret Discord server where we ask you your thoughts on the Harry Potter or on the franchise of the, the Fortnite. Um, and the, uh, the... A lot of talk about Cult Elders this week. Yeah, yeah okay. So so why is that? Oh, I don't know. Just just what do you, what do you think of the segment? Oh yeah, like should we change it? <laughs> well, I think I think it's useful for something like Harry Potter, if, if only maybe not just because the episode's already so long. But um, people have already given us some thoughts, so I have specifically pulled out just the ones talking about the first four films, and I'll I will go through them now. Um, so for Dan from Hawaii, Tribeca mode is their username for this week. Um, has said like many people in my generation, I was absolutely enamored with the Harry Potter book series as I grew up with it. Getting the novels on release date was such an exciting event, and it was genuinely magical how I could discuss the book with most nice. of my friends right away. As as for the films, the first two are too entwined with my childhood nostalgia for me to have an unbiased opinion. I'm Interesting what we talked about before. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. How they're not very good. <laughs> they, I, I actually don't think they're not very good. I think they are mm. f- kids' movies. Um, mm. I'm far from the minority to believe that Prison- Prisoner of Azkaban is the most interesting film from a stylistic and storytelling perspective. I would agree with that. I think what you're saying, Dan, is what we were saying, that it's the best. That's what happens when the best director does a Harry mm. Potter movie. Um, Now, the biggest crime of the films as they developed is twofold. They abandoned the absolutely iconic and beautiful scoring and leitmotifs by John Williams as the series went on, something I did not know until people were bringing it up in the Discord. So the... That's gone in later films, is it? I I don't think so. But it's interesting that that's Hedwig's theme. Is it? And then it just was... was, Yeah, that, that piece of music is called Hedwig's theme. And it was just like... It's the leitmotif for the whole... Oh, wow um series but it's like yeah, this it's super iconic piece of music mm. is the theme for the bird it's one of the last iconic pieces of movie score you know most recent yeah yeah i mean yeah you got like lord of the rings pirates of the caribbean uh avengers since then avengers they they all, like, they were like right we need to make this feel more iconic to people though I think. <laughs> yeah, no. Um, like, after it was criticized for not having interesting scores, they, like, 
pushed i think for it to become an interesting score no i, th- I think I, avengers always had an iconic score alan Silvestri, but i i also two of the like the, the real iconic scores that are like crazy that they're only in one movie or they were only in one, one movie is um the incredibles mm. that's such a great score mm. and the monsters inc the it's like i can't believe that's only from monsters yeah, yeah, inc true. it's so good yeah <laughs> Dan also says, um, wands became guns, um, and by the time Deathly Hallows came out, I was over it. This is a spoiler for Deathly Hallows. Okay, I'll skip that part then. <laughs> um, they say, I have some haikus. If it's not too much to ask, they'd be read aloud. So these are Dan's haikus for the first four films. Harry Potter 1, such a goofy film, cheesy, wholesome, iconic, instant classic score. Harry Potter 2, Harry is so dumb. Too many peas at the feast. <laughs> the sword looks <laughs> mad fake. Harry Potter 3, made me laugh out loud. Dumbledore patting Ron's leg when freshly broken. Yeah, nice. an oddly mean thing for Dumbledore to do. Way to go, Michael Gambon, <laughs> cementing your place as mean Dumbledore. <laughs> <laughs> um, Harry Potter 4, fave book, least fave film. Robert Pattinson is great at silent acting. I have just realized we said we'd talk about Michael Gambon for <laughs> Goblet of Fire, and then oh, I don't yeah. think we did. But I think he's grumpy, he's, and he says that one line. He says funny. that one line funny. What do you want from me? <laughs> Dan says, one last thing. I re-engaged and revisited the books as an adult a few years back when an amazing podcast by two lapsed fans tried the books two chapters at a time. It's so fascinating to see how many holes in the writing are there from early on. The transphobia, though, th- throughout um, Snape and Address, hilarious apparently is one of their examples. Rita Skeeter arguably coded as a trans woman. Really? Their author, that's fucking uh, psychologically intriguing, isn't it? If her author, author insert character has been read as a trans woman. Um, and unintentionally, the unintentionally running gag of Harry never touching his wealth and never giving his friends gifts, even his best friend whose family is financially not doing great. It's such a fucking weird part of this. Just don't make Harry rich. It never comes up. Yeah, yeah. It's never important that Harry is rich. Just don't make him rich. Mm. <laughs> uh, most critically, an entire plot line of Goblet was painting Hermione as a virtue signaling SJW for trying to free the slaves and making her the butt of the joke because the enslaved elves w- like being enslaved. Um, that is not part of the movie, I guess. Yeah, I do. Um, I've just I've just looked up the um, Rita Skeeter being trained. Uh, trans coding thing mm. it seems like it's based mostly or solely around skeeter is described as having a blonde hair set in elaborate curls that contrasted oddly with her heavy jawed face right interesting a uh, bmd tells us jk rowling is a piece of shit well with that out of the way i would much rather discuss the films themselves and stray away from the discussion of the author because i personally live in an ideology of separating the art from the artist if a creator is a shit and heathenistic person i feel like i should be at liberty to enjoy their work regardless and i do i think the harry potter books are some of the most truly cinematic books ever written there's a reason why they inspired so many children to read and why the films are really a no-brainer steven spielberg didn't sign on to direct the first film simply because it would be too easy and yeah he was right yeah. the films that's interesting that yeah he, he essentially like read the book and was like this is a slam dunk mm. like there's no point directing it right 
The films are easy because the world does indeed feel fleshed out and, and genuinely iconic. The first, along with the second, are really good adaptations that cover just about every major plot point you needed to tell the story as is, which is definitely easier to do since the books are significantly shorter. The third movie is often considered the best, and while I think it does do some things best out of the bunch, it always just been a bit too mid-2000s emo for me, if that makes sense. The fact they wear hoodies and look all trendy and cool, I don't know, it never really did anything for me. Sounds like jealousy to it's me. It's a me thing, they, they <laughs> then say. The fourth is the most quotable for me, Barty Crouch Jr. David Tennant is also in this film, um, being perhaps my most favouritist line in the series. Sadly, this is where many plot points start to fall by the wayside. The most egregious of being of the film, dropping Hermione's entire house elf liberation front storyline. We just talked about that, which continues to be mm. ignored throughout the rest of the film, sadly. That's interesting. I had no idea about that storyline. Mm. Well, the upcoming video game is about trying to stop a house elf revolution. Did you know that? Uh, I, I <laughs> like, saw you're actively being like, anti-slavery abolition in that game apparently <laughs> so insane <laughs> one thing we did talk about as well um in the fourth one is the because uh, uh, BMD made me think about it by saying they're all dressed or emo in the third one in the fourth one all the main boy characters have grown their hair out and like this is I know yeah. this is the meme but like I think what people forget is that it's like every main every male character mm. like it's not just ron and, and and harry it's like neville it's um uh malfoy it's like like all the characters look ridiculous yeah. it's so funny why like do one of them has long hair now why is it gonna be every single male character has long hair now there, there was a um IMDb trivia i didn't grab that was like harry arguably looks closest to his um because daniel radcliffe to his book appearance because he's described as having long shaggy hair <laughs> and daniel radcliffe grew long shaggy hair um also from um uh fred's dead baby which i always read as fred's dead baby <laughs> um they have t they have said to us i'll keep my take short i never got into the books as a kid in fact i've never read a single one but i've seen all the movies and thought they were mostly all right the first one bores the piss out of me and the one with all the games and robert pattinson feels entirely unnecessary to me if you get rid of all the wizard games you could just tack the part where voldemort comes back as a post-credit scene or something but maybe i'm not remembering correctly i think a post-credit scene is probably pretty generous but i do agree that like there's just a better as i said there's just a better way to get to that scene i think mm. there is a post-credit scene in one of these films as well is yeah second one has one uh of gilderoy lockhart's new book which is like who am i because <laughs> he loses his memory um and cheese says to us uh fuck i was too busy to write this today here goes I was the perfect age for the book and books and movies. I reread the entire series every time a new book came out. It got darker and more mature as I got more mature. The first couple of movies captured that innocent new magical worldness quite well, and the acting is terrible. The major parts, Hagrid, Dumbledore, Snape, were well casted and part of the reason why the movies did so well. I would agree. I think casting mm, absolutely. In yeah. the, as the ultimate legacy of the Harry Potter movies, I think more than anything else. Um, I obviously have nostalgia for the movies and for my innocent self who read the books without seeing all the problematic shit. My wife and I rewatch the series at least once a year. They are feel good comfort food type movies for us. My first inkling JK Rowling was a shit was, was a shit egg was when uh when shitbag, shitbag uh, was when pottermore came out and she had some awful shit about native american magic written on there it only got worse for me as we all know 
as we all know, but I can still, I only got worse from there, as we all know, but I can still appreciate the movies. They make me happy. I won't get into each one, but I appreciate them as a whole series. They go from innocent preteen to emo goth teens to stupid, stubborn young adults, and the movies change with them. P.S. I didn't mind the, that one fights turned into gunfights because it made the fight scenes more fun to watch. Also, the fight between Voldemort. Oh, no, that's, that's a... Mm-hmm. That's a movie five comment. It's interesting that t- talking about J.K. Rowling on Pottermore because the yeah, the Pottermore is this website where and she would just release just extra continue the franchise without any of the effort. Yeah, but that um writing stuff about Native American magic and it's like I wonder if J.K. Rowling thinks that this is that she's good at representation. Oh yeah, because she's she's going through the effort to. I talk about Native American magic and it's like she's using stereotypes maybe she thinks that like Kingsley Shacklebolt is like mm. a great you know yeah I mean she is a wealthy middle-aged white woman right yeah like that this is um if if you're a, if you're a wealthy middle-aged white woman and you're not like racist mm. you are right <laughs> like like the, that stereotype might have like a conservative s- stereotype like attached to it but there is a liberal Mm. A stereotype attached to it as well and it's jk rowling mm. you know you 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 think you're doing good because you put a black character named kingsley shacklebolt into your story but then you have a you you start the bathroom debate you know the the gendered bathroom <laughs> yeah, yeah. um and then write a book about it where one of the where it's about like a serial killer who dresses up as woman and goes Something into their like bathrooms that, yeah. fuck what a fucking like detriment to society and then the day before the like she hadn't tweeted for like a year and then the day before the secrets of dumbledore trailer comes out she fucking like starts saying some shit again and it's like (laughs) you can tell warner brothers was like hey jk do you want to um just liven up your social media again (laughs) and this is all she has to talk about or please stop livening up your social media Mm. and she's like no i got something to say (laughs) (laughs) i haven't tweeted in a year but now that you mentioned it (laughs) Uh, and finally, the final message we got from the half weeb prince says, fuck J.K. Rowling. And that is the meeting adjourned. Cult, cult, the meeting of the elders. Cult, the meet, cult, cult. The, the meeting of the elders adjourned for this episode. And let's maybe wrap up this episode, this first part of the Harry Potter um, episode, because we're coming up to three hours and we don't really have any other segments to do. Next week will be Harry Potter years five to, to seven. Um, which is four movies, confusingly. Um, And then the week after that, we will do the three Fantastic Beasts movies. Thank you for listening. And if you have enjoyed this episode, then please consider liking and subscribing at all the places, particularly on Twitter and Instagram. Follow us there at Cold Popsha. You can email us at coldpopshamedia at gmail.com. Hop in the Discord. Jump in the Cult Elders. uh, If you are a Cult Elder, jump in that um, server because you can tell us all that you think about the next four films. Um, and also, if you want to, you can sign up to our Patreon over at patreon.com slash where one of the things you can do is give us uh, something to talk about in the post credit scene, which will be coming up right after this music ends. Richard, are you ready to go home? <sighs> I don't want to go. The line is, uh, I'm not going home, though, not really, or something like that. Oh, I thought we were just making David Tennant references. (laughs) (laughs) This is last line is Doctor Who. Welcome along to the post credit scene, everybody. This is a segment at the end of each episode episode, where if you you pay... If you donate... Five dollars or more over at patreon.com slash 
Cult, cult pop show. Pop show. You. Get to give us something to talk about in the post-credits scene. Post-credit scene. Richard, what is today's question and who is it from? Tell me. Today's quest. I thought you were going to do it with me. This is going to be three hours long if you don't get the question out, surely. I'm not going to say it. <laughs> Why are you not? <laughs> well, if it's three hour, if it's more than three hours long, then it will be four record files, one for each movie we covered. So we've got seven minutes. No. <laughs> Fine. I'll find it then. No. So it's, this one comes from us from Alexander McDonald, who says, how do you feel about more abstract rating systems, i.e. those used like by reviewers like Jeremy Jans, versus the more rigid score-based rating systems, five stars, three out of ten, B+, etc. On I, rating systems in general, like I kind of hate them and the only reason i rate films anymore at all is because letterbox pulled me back into it because mm-hmm. it's so tempting to just rate something out of five stars because i just think like thinking about film or anything in like this kind of structured hierarchical way mm-hmm. like makes you makes you make yourself like a film more or less than maybe you actually do yeah absolutely um and so i don't like rating at all if i have to choose i would say doing it like like a to f is a more attractive way of of writing well do you know how jeremy johns does it how does he do it uh so his are like good time no alcohol required good time if you're loaded um and like there's a few other ones but they're just Mm. they're very much like he does a full review and then it's just very much like a eh, you know Mm. and I, i i i quite like that and i as someone who writes reviews and and does reviews now i haven't made i I haven't included like a star rating or anything like that in any of my Mm. reviews people have been asking me to and we've been having these kind of conversations about it and it's like i know people skim a review and just look for that number Mm. but um yeah i know i would like to develop some kind of system that has that without being specifically a number i do like i've i've said this plenty of times but my favorite one is the minus 10 to plus 10 because the worst thing a movie can be is boring or unremarkable and the room is just as enjoyable as roma (laughs) but they're like it's one's a 10 out of 10 and the other one is like just as good at being bad and I think and I, I, I encourage people to watch bad films. I think you learn more about your tastes from watching a bad film than a good film. I like how you picked a movie called The Room and the movie a movie called Roma because they're like yeah. almost the same word. Mm. That was really classy. The Room and Room. <laughs> you could have done that. Yeah. They're probably about as good as each other. <laughs> Enjoyable as each other. I love yeah. Room, man. That was a great film. Um, yeah, I guess like I, I, I like writing systems which don't imply something is the best like i enjoy I even, even on letterbox you have the distinction of like a star rating and then liking or not liking, yeah which is I still like a, a rigid one which like alexander refers to as a rigid rating system but there's a bit of nuance the, a great example of that is i rated philosopher's stone three stars i also related uh, rated chamber of secrets three stars but i liked it like mm. i gave it a little love heart and that i think is the difference is between but even that like I like as soon as you start putting rules to how you feel so- about something, it becomes insincere. And like, I don't think there is a a ceiling on how much you can enjoy something. And so, 
by saying like this is five stars it implies to me that this you will never see a movie that is better than this and that's not true like maybe i will you know Mm. maybe i'll see a movie one day that i've enjoyed more than any movie i've ever seen yeah how do you communicate that yeah well and that's how i feel about what like why i give five star ratings out because i don't think that it should be this unachievable thing my version of that is i just wish i didn't do ratings at all yeah. maybe i should go and undo my ratings every <gasps> single one yeah every ranked list is just tied for first yeah hi this is craig robinson from ways to win and support for this podcast comes from invesco qqq the official ETF of the NCAA. Invesco QQQ is proud to sponsor this episode and even prouder to provide access to innovation for the last 25 years. Basketball has had innovations over the years too. We're seeing the game played in new ways every day. Learn more at Invesco.com QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. 